Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's October 12, 2017, and it's time for my private audio call. Tonight, our special guest speaker is a gentleman named Chris Christopher Gronsky. Am I saying it right? That's correct, yeah. Okay. Someone recommended I contact you and get you on the call, and it worked out, and here you are, and welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much, uh, Angela. Appreciate it. Sure. Uh, Anybody that wants to see his stuff, he's got a website, he's got a YouTube channel, he's got a bio. I put it on the website if you want to... Um, Check it out. All the links are there on uh, that's myprivateaudio.com. Click on the the uh, Thursday up there where it says a Thursday conference call. I don't even remember what my website. <laughs> I, I never look at that page, but anyway, uh, all of his links are there. Or you can Google search him. I did a Google search on him, and a million things came up. So one way or another, you'll find him. Welcome and. Uh, Go ahead and let everybody know who you are and what you're about, and we'll go from there. All right, thank you, Angela. Um, I'm Christopher Gronsky, and um, I live in um, Hill, New Hampshire. And uh, um, I'm always excited to talk about liberty and freedom. I mean, in the uh, this, this, these are strange times. I've never seen the political landscape be what it is uh, these days, and uh, so I um, always figure something's up. But uh, I've been, um, yeah, I've been involved with uh, learning and, and participating in the freedom movement, or uh, for uh, since about 1994. Um, I uh, had originally uh, someone had sent me a book um, called Vultures and Eagles Clothing by Lynn Meredith, and that was the first time I uh, I had learned about that there was uh, two types of citizens in the United States. A uh, state and federal citizen, uh, and the distinction of the federal citizen being the Fourteenth Amendment citizen, and uh, and so that was uh, certainly was life changing because uh, you know I was just like anybody else, uh, working, doing my business and paying taxes and all that stuff, and uh, you know I was um, I was raised in a military family. Uh, I was in the Navy. Uh, everybody in my family was in the Navy. I have uh, my father, my uh, my brother, and my sister both retired in the Navy. I, my mother was in the Navy. <laughs> so, um, so you know, we've always been, you know, patriotic and, you know, uh, always believed in, you know, doing what was right. So that was our, you know, you know my background in that regard. Um, but the, uh, but seeing, you know, just learning that the, uh, the federal government uh, or governments in general aren't, um, they're not really uh, helping you to, uh, enjoy the the fruits of liberty and freedom so um i got involved with the tax honesty movement i was um got involved with bob schultz uh, we the people and um 
uh, became the New Hampshire State Coordinator uh, for that organization for uh, a number of years. Uh, been to Washington a number of times, uh, you know, dressed up like V. <laughs> did uh, everything in D.C. that uh, that we ever wanted to do. Um, they had the uh, Truth and Taxation hearing, and, and I got to meet uh, some wonderful people uh, like Joe Bannister, Sherry Jackson, John Turner. Um, you know, uh, it was in uh, by being a part of We the People and, and the uh, events that we had. That's how I met um, uh, G. Gordon, uh, not G. Gordon Lee, um, um, Ed Griffin, um, and uh, got involved with uh, his organization. I'm the uh, uh, acting uh, president of Freedom Force International here in um, New Hampshire, and you know, just you know, just getting to know a lot of these people in the freedom movement, and certainly in the tax honesty movement. Um, and so it's been exciting, you know, and I dealt with the IRS years ago, and they had taken money from my bank account uh, when I was, uh, you know, explaining to them that I was never, I was not a federal citizen, never was a federal citizen. And, uh, you know, I don't deal with the IRS uh, these days. Uh, when, um, you know, in New Hampshire, um, I've been involved, um, unofficially, but involved with the Free State Project here in New Hampshire. Um, if anyone's ever heard of the Free State Projects, is um, twenty thousand oh, people yeah. signed up for the. Um, what's that? I remember when that was a big deal, and Mark Stevens was going over there, and uh, Larkin Rose, and uh, oh, yeah. guy in Arizona, and yeah, yeah, I had a good uh, idea. Larkin Rose uh, come out to my house. He did a talk there, and also, you know, it's like this, like it's it's. It feels like for me it's like a family of people who are, you know, certainly after the same thing. And, uh, you know, not everybody's on the same page, but everybody's interested in the same thing with respect to wanting to be left alone, uh, want to just enjoy the fruits of their labor and, and that such. Um, so, yeah, so in New Hampshire there's a very active libertarian anarchist uh, type of uh, environment, uh, besides the fact that New Hampshire being that first primary state uh, you know, we talk politics all the time. I love it here in New Hampshire. I grew up in Orlando, um, and uh, uh, you know, I've, I've been out of the country uh, when my father was in the service and all. So, so anyway, so when I, um, um, like I said, I had learned some of this stuff and uh, this some of the um, paperwork that I did with uh, IRS. Um, I had received from Lynn Meredith's group. That was how I. Uh, um, met at least um, you know uh, um, hired uh, Paul Mitchell to do uh, some of my paperwork for me. He's a wonderful writer. I think he's uh, one of the the best writers that I've ever uh, read out there. I heard he was on the uh, the show last time, and uh, yeah, so it's it's been great. After a while, you know, you do your thing, and then and then I you know helped all my family and friends or you know people that that uh, I was involved with help them communicate the same things. Uh, then, then there was um, in 2000. Um, it was in 2001, January 2001. I was going to go to Romania for a church uh, gig um, of shooting a video, and um, I needed a passport. And uh, so I know I knew that I needed to get a passport um, that was congruent with the communication I was having with the IRS. And so uh, I had done up my passport at the time, and and back then all we did was um, edit the oath on the application so that it was true. And, you know, we capitalized the letter citizen and wrote out United States, a number of different things. And uh, when I did that passport in Boston, the woman at the passport center said, well, 
this isn't the first time I've ever seen this. And she just quickly, you know, stamped whatever needed to be stamped, and they issued the passport. And uh, and that was a relief, and uh, and I felt great that uh, that was congruent. I didn't want that to be. Uh, um, I didn't want to be claiming something different that I that I wasn't claiming with respect to uh, my communication with the IRS. So then, um, uh, being in New Hampshire and active, um, you know, I knew. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Browns, uh, Edna Lane Brown, um, you know, oh, yeah. and um, and we were involved with, you know, uh, their group of counsel who were trying to figure out, you know, how to deal with the courts and such as that. Ned's a unique guy. Uh, he doesn't have time for um, pleasantries and such as that. So um, when they were being prosecuted by the IRS, Ed just didn't show. He didn't figure he was going to get a fair trial anyway. And uh, when Elaine was there, um, the I was in the courtroom. I had brought my daughter uh, as part of a homeschooling uh, exercise of being with uh, in the court. And um, and the IRS prosecutor used Elaine. She was claiming Ed was, and and she were claiming that they were not federal citizens. And so the IRS prosecutor was using her passport application on a big um, screen, showing and saying that. Um, well, here it says, you know, you, you swear that you are a U.S. citizen. And he says, uh, so let me see if I understand. When traveling abroad, you are a U.S. citizen, but when it comes to paying your taxes, you're not. Is that the case? And she had said that she didn't know there was another way to, you know, fill out the application. And when I met with her um, on the break, I said, well, yeah, you could do it differently. We talked about that. And, and that, was, that was in 2004. And that was when I uh, began to help other people do their passport um, and, and change their passport. Some people who didn't have passports, um, I would help them do the application so that it was congruent uh, and it was and it would reject that 14th Amendment citizen. Changed, you know, we um, wanted the oath to be true. So we used to, like I said, we used to amend the uh, the oath and such as that, and then would have explanatory statements that would support what was true. Then the State Department. Um, communicated with us that they would no longer um, accept passports in which the oath was edited or amended, that if we didn't agree with the terms of the oath, that we could provide an explanatory statement. And so from there, uh, we began to do a thorough explanatory statement, and we began to help other people with that um, with that same process. And uh, that was back in uh, 2004. Um, and uh, from then, you know, I, w I was doing a lot of stuff, uh, you know, trying to help people with uh, their communication with the IRS and, and uh, certainly doing some passport work somewhat of, um, you know, I was doing it as a hobby and somewhat pro bono, you know, because I had my own business. I was doing things. And then it just it slowly got busier and busier and busier and more people would refer. I, I would only, you know, people would just refer me. I, w I would just... Um, I never advertised or did anything like that. I mean, I eventually had the website. I had very little information on there, just contact information for the most part. Then, then um, um, what's his name? Dave Ridley um, had done a came out. Someone paid him to come out to my uh, a class that I was doing, and he did a video uh, anywhere he interviewed me, and we talked about a bunch of stuff. And uh, that video has. You know, you know, I get a lot of referrals from that, and uh, and then there's a couple other things. You know, I would talk to someone on the phone, and then they would uh, 
unbeknownst to me, record the conversation, then it would show up on the Internet somewhere. And and, I, and then someone would say they saw that, and like, really? I didn't know that anything was <laughs> So I, I, it's, it's never been something that I've um, sought after, you know, um, advertised and such as that. Um, everything has just come to me, and I've just – I've just tried to stay as close to helping people as I can uh, personally. And so, and then eventually it's just gotten so busy that this is what I do uh, for, um, you know, my mainstay. I mean, I have other businesses I, I have, but for the most part, this is how I spend my day is talking to people on the phone and, uh, and then helping people, um, you know, really secure their liberty and freedom. There's other things besides this some of this passport work is like a um, it's a journey it's just a beginning place it's, and it's not that you know that it's that what we do is the only way or any I mean we're not I'm not professing anything like that people have been doing this uh, a lot longer than I've been around so it's not anything new um, but the thing is that over the hundreds of passports that that we've done over the years I've gotten a lot of communication from the State Department um, and you know we've we've really worked at and endeavored to to do things um, you know uh, the way that they they want them because it's their process. I mean they have no problem denying passport and just leaving it that if uh, you don't jump through their hoops. They have no problem taking your money and not giving you anything. I mean that's not uncommon, but. But that's uh, so. Anyway, so that's how it's been, and and so and these days, um, you know, I I ended up having to set up an office and and getting all this work out of the house because, you know, I get calls from people, you know, all over, all over the world at different countries and different consulates that they have to do their processes, and so the phone rings 24/7, um, you know, so I ended up having to pull all that out of the house in order to um, uh, have things congruent with my wife. So. It's not nice to have the phone ring in the middle of the night, you know, when when a client or somebody wants uh, some information. But, but it's been a it's been a lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, because of some of the stuff we've done, um, uh, we wanted to give the client uh, a lot of background information, things that that people have sent to me. I've had people contact me that want to give me information that supports just the path we're going, and. Um, and that's uh very humbling you know when people will, will will you know will see something or see that i'm i'm working on this subject matter and then they'll have more documentation that that supports uh that this is not unknown to the to the federal government um and i think i um and then in new hampshire i mean i've done my own work here in new hampshire uh dealing with the state department of new hampshire the beautiful thing about New Hampshire is I know these people at the, in the State Department. Uh, you know, the, 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 besides uh, Bill Gardner, who's our Secretary of uh, State, and uh, Dave Scanlon, who is his, the Deputy Secretary. I mean, I've met these people. I've been in their office. Um, you know, so New Hampshire is so small that you can actually get to know people who are, uh, you know, functioning in, in our our uh, our small government. And... Um, and so that's good. So, you know, when I did my driver's license, I wanted that um, information to be congruent with what I've done with my passport. The same thing when I, um, I vote and, and they, have, they ask a question, are you a United States citizen? Um, you know, I have written communication uh, with the Secretary of State's office. Uh, they said I could define the term because they didn't have a term for that. Um, 
and even like jury duty, you know, when they ask you, are you a United States citizen? Now, the court in New Hampshire uh, didn't have a definition that they could provide me, but I told them that the State Department defined uh, the U.S. citizen by the 14th Amendment. They went with that, and then they say that's how they're going to define it, and so it disqualified me from jury duty, and so I contacted a, a, a state rep, uh, you know, a, a number of state reps in, in New Hampshire about that. And so now they're working on a bill um, in which they're making this, uh, you know, uh, this knowledge available to people so that they can um, uh, make these choices of whether they want to be a state or, and or federal citizen. So I think it's taken, um, I think it's been great. The journey's been slow and some of that, but um it's moving forward, and I think that when when New Hampshire, even now when it recognizes that there's two citizens, um, it's a game changer for people, and it certainly is going to be. A, um, I, I think it's still coming, which is great, and I think if it does anything in New Hampshire, uh, it'll be that same way in in the other states. Every client that's in another state that's moving down the same path. Um, also gets to communicate with their state about these terms and the definition of these terms and what they are, and then to uh, and make these choices. Some people who don't want uh, a driver's license, if you will, some of these remedies when they put their their uh, certified documents. See, when we do the passport process, the um, the State Department um, we do a FOIA afterwards, in which the State Department issues the passport application file including our explanatory statement, they certify it. And then people will use that, clients have used that. They'll put it in the public record or they'll send it to the IRS or, or they will they'll use it and demonstrate and show that they're not a 14th Amendment or statutory citizen and therefore they, um, you know, they may not have the same obligations that these uh, federal citizens have, certainly privileges and immunities. So, so anyway, so that brings us, you know, around to today with respect to uh, some of that work and, and then we have other things that we do for clients because I think that freedom is a journey and it's a uh, it has it's multifaceted and so uh, you know we endeavor to just support our clients in um, you know in whatever they're they're dealing with it could be their their own uh, local governments it could be their state government it could be anything and uh, and so we you know we just want to uh, help them secure their rights and and that's been a joy for me I I think that's uh, I did not expect that this would be how I would be spending my life, but it's uh, it's definitely been a it's been a great journey so far. So I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I'd I'd be up for answering anybody's questions or um, you know any comments and things like that. I'd be glad to uh, um, get into some of those conversations. Anybody have a comment or question? Put your hand up by pressing star eight, and that'll get you in the queue. Okay, Bob. Bob, Hi. Titus had a. There you go. You've been unmuted. Hi, Angela. Hi. Hey. Hi, Bob. Don't mean. Hi. How are you? Can you um lay it out a little bit more clearer because I was um missing your point. I guess. I mean, I'm not saying you you did anything wrong, but. Um, I'm having a hard time comprehending, you know. I know you have a message that you want for us all to hear, and I'm I'm Actually, here I, with I my... Don't, I, I don't have a message for you here. I, I just, uh, 
I'm just saying, you know, what what my experience has been. Um, I don't know, you know, uh, you know, everyone who's on the call. I just, um, I'm just really just talking about my experience and the things that I've been working on. Um, this is this this distinction between a state and a federal citizen has been um, um, enlightening, and and it's been it's been great. I I love not being connected to the federal government, and I love making that distinction in in uh, pretty much anything I'm doing with respect to in my state or. Um, or what have you, and and certainly uh, not being a federal citizen, I certainly don't have a federal tax liability. So therefore, I have no filing requirement. Haven't done that since 1994. So, um, well, how do you? How do you? How do you? How do you? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Excuse me. I didn't mean to interrupt. All right. How do you make? A, how do you file or fill out an application for a passport? Then. Well, the um, what? you know the the um, there's a there's a number of things. The they obviously want certain information. Uh, we don't usually provide. Uh, I'm going to say this. Uh, years ago, up until last fall, we never prov- well we still don't provide any social security number on the uh, on the passport application. Now, for most people, most people have a a fantasy and a uh, uh, you know a strong opinion that that. That number somehow means something to them, okay, and uh, and so the State Department never asked for the Social Security number uh, when we wouldn't provide it. Matter of fact, they would write the Social Security number at the bottom of the page in their own on their side or you know their side of the line, and so um, and and it wasn't any kind of a, a big deal. Our our important thing was to let them know that we weren't uh, signing the oath as it was on the application. We we. Uh, wrote those words that were correct, and we defined the term United States from the the Hooven Allison case uh, as the states in the union as opposed to the federal government. And um, but but then since the fall, they they cited a new a new citation. I think it's um, 22 um, United States Code 22 2714A. I think that's what it is, and which they. Um, um, uh, in you know um, that they can deny passport under certain con- you know uh, certain cases and such as that. It's this very specific um, code, and they're using it very generally. And I and we've let them know that that's a misapplication of that statute. And so then now um, now they won't issue a passport without providing a social. So we provide uh, uh, the social security number. Uh, we don't put it on their form that they send out. Um, we put it in a in a letter, an, an additional explanatory statement, in which we uh, let them know that this uh, demand is in violation of the Privacy Act, that it's under duress, that there's no contract, that it's not your number, a number of things we just list out, and we we uh, we state in the in this affidavit, and we submit that as well, and then they can take the number off of that. And the and the the thing is, is that the reality is they have the number. When they put your name and your birth date in their system, you, that social comes up all day long. So it's not something that's as if not providing the social um, is some big earth, you know, you know, something that, aha, you know, we did this. The most important thing with, when doing the passport, there, there's a couple small things that, that have uh, significant value. Um, one is um, these, the, 
the uh, 1040 form and the DS-11, which is the passport application, is signed under penalty of perjury. It's the form in which it's done up is within the United States, um, its territories and possessions. And so that is a, that's a jurisdictional way in which within the United States the um, the statement under penalty of perjury is a certain way, and without the United States, it's signed, you know, under penalty of perjury under the laws of the United States of America. So that's um, that's uh, a jurisdictional um, declaration there. So that I feel is is very important to to sign it without the United States. And then the other thing is is the explanatory statement that clearly um, lays out. Um, that you're rejecting that 14th Amendment citizen um, and that you are uh, claiming your state citizenship. Now, there are people out there that um, – there are, there are a lot of people out there that have, that have a belief system that when somebody defines a term, that somehow they've taken the term and now it's their term. I don't recognize, um, I don't recognize grammar as a – um, an authority in my life, or how somebody wants to do it, or what color ink they use, or or what um, you know, uh, you know anything at all. I mean, any any entity can define their terms. So if if anything out there, any government, state government, federal government, whatever, can define their terms, well then certainly you can define your terms too. And just because someone defines a term a certain way does not mean that you have to agree with that term. And we see people will use, and I've seen this, I've seen this even dealing with Christians in the Bible, dealing with terms, and then they, they hold on to them as if we don't have different usages of words. We do. We, they're part of normal grammar is to have different usages of words. Now, over the years, um, oh, let me, before I go on, I, I just wanted to see, make sure that... Um, um, Bob, did you have a, uh, a question, or I wanted, didn't want to just run off without um, making sure that um, I that I answered your question specifically? Well, I don't even know what my specific question was, but um, okay. If I may um, pause for a second and speak with Angela. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, did you see my early text? I I tried to call Carl and I I told him what you said and now my yeah, calls I read are going it. Quick. Okay. Oh well. <laughs> it's all good. Oh well. No. Huh? He's gonna call. He's gonna call back. Uh huh. Okay. I well. To to, I mean, I wish you and Carl could make amends and um, because you guys put out some dynamite calls back in the day. Okay. And, you oh, know, well, thank you. And, and we, we're all out here, too, Angela. Oh, I know. Hey, okay. how's, how's it going down there? The fire in Anaheim and then the rest of them are in Northern California and it's yeah, not bothering you? It's not bothering me, no. Okay, good. Not anywhere near me. Family, my family's Thank you for asking. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Thank you. I'm going to let some other folks talk now. Okay, Bob? Mute me out. Okay. Thank you. Next up, we've got Central Colorado. Go ahead. You've been unmuted. 
Go ahead, Central Colorado. You've been unmuted. Christopher. Yes. Um, what I'm curious about <clears throat> is that I guess every time I've approached the post office and our other agencies and I have not put my social security number down to reject it. Who rejected The post office? Well, the IRS. And oh, I thought, oh, I, I thought you were talking. So why are you writing to the IRS? Well, it's not the IRS, sorry. It's, you're talking it's about the passport or are you talking about um, passport. the... Uh, passport. Okay. So, so I don't, I don't and, know, let me see if I understand. So you're saying when you go to the post office with your passport application, you don't put your social on it and they don't receive it from you? They do not want to receive it. They were under strict orders to reject anything that does not have a passport. So it's kind of like an option. Right. Let let me just tell you, I've done hundreds of these, and none of them are rejected. Okay? So what I would would say is that I would just coach you differently on how to deal with the acceptance agent. Because the thing is that we supply the... the, um, the code that that defines the acceptance agent's responsibility is um, is defined there, and and since these things are under penalty of perjury, the acceptance agent has no authority to speak into the content of your documents under penalty of perjury. You can have them have nothing on there. You can have your name and nothing at all. Now the State Department may deny it, but the acceptance agent the acceptance agent's first name is acceptance they're not a determining agent they're not the ones approving your passport so i would just encourage you to say no no this is the way it is now what you have to do is you have to certainly identify yourself you certainly want to provide documents but if you don't provide documents you know like a birth certificate or something um then you know the state department may not may not uh process your passport but the acceptance agent is only going to i observe you signing it is going to get some sort of an ID or a witness there. Uh, with, that would be a um, uh, DS-74. And, you know, that's the only thing they're doing. They're taking your money. They're taking your documents. They're uh, witnessing your signature. And that's it. They don't get to participate in any of the content of your application. If you've allowed that, then I would just go to a different uh, passport. If they Now, they don't have to. They certainly aren't compelled. They can just say, I don't want to do this. But we just usually coach people to just be really friendly and courteous and, and just say, no, no, everything's all set here. I've talked with my counsel, and they've, uh, this is the way they say they want to do it. And then usually when we get the passport, we say, well, look, go back to the post office and let them know that you got your passport. It's no big deal. You know, kind of train them a little bit. So I've I'm sorry you had that experience. Now, I, I appreciate it. Uh, You've you got a wealth of knowledge. Um, but you got to hear me. I tried in two different states mm-hmm. for the list to go in. No, no, we need. They have a letter. They produce the freaking letter. It basically says you are not allowed to accept a DS-11 without a social security number. And it's like, whoa, that's two different states. And I get that New Hampshire might be different. But 
in other states. I'm not sure that's what's happening. Well, let me, and, let me, just, let me just say this, is that all over the world, we never have provided socials, ever. And we've never, ever had anybody not do the process because they didn't provide the social, okay? I'm just telling you. So I've got lots and lots of states. And what state are you in? What state are you in? Arizona. Yeah, I've got lots of clients in Arizona. They've all done it, and they've never provided social at the uh, at the uh, post office. So I'm like I said, I don't. It's got nothing to do with the State Department. It's got nothing to do with the post office, or even what they've been trained and told to do. I really think it's just you know maybe it's the way that you're handling yourself, and you could probably do something a little different. That's why we that's why we coach people in how to deal with the acceptance agent. We have a lot of good resources. I can just send you the code, and it'll show you their responsibility. And and here's what happens also: whenever an acceptance agent is uncomfortable, we just say they have an 800 number. They can call the 800 number. They can talk to the State Department, and here's what the State Department is going to say: just send in the documents. That's all. They're gonna, and they'll, they'll comfort them. Just send it in, and then that's it. They'll take all your stuff, and they'll send it in. And so here's what's really crazy mm-hmm. is that I wrote my explanatory statement, yep. like you're talking about, and after a fourth attempt, I finally got the passport. And so now mm-hmm. I'm doing a FOIA to see sure. what got represented as a, no, my parents, you know, or no, no, no. It's yep. like, but it's like, it's really weird because the post offices in Arizona seem to have got a letter that said, no, 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 you've got to have this thing here. Uh, we can't accept it. And they are just so driven mm. to do it. Yeah, I'm sorry you had that experience here. And so even with accepting that, I am curious to see, as I said, I just read a FOIA to say, okay, show me what you basically have. What does my application look like? Because it doesn't have everything other than a social security number um, on it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and uh, is your explanatory statement pretty clear? Absolutely. I'm an engineer for 22 years. Okay, so what and I mean, so what did you say on your explanatory statement? That I was not a US 14th amendment citizen. Good. And did you do that as an affidavit or did you just have a statement that you just signed it? It's all recorded. Okay. All recorded. Oh, so you did it with a notary or or a witness? Absolutely notary. Oh, cool. Well, good. And, and so, once you get your um, when you get your FOIA back, you should be able to see that explanatory statement in your file, and and that should all be certified by the State Department. So, are you waiting for your FOIA now? Yes. And oh, cool. did my authenticated birth certificate and all kinds of stuff. But um, I'm kind of following you, and okay. I just want to assemble a. A, a bunch of literature and just say, hey, Chris, here's what's happening. And what I think we, uh, I, I know what you're doing. That's really cool. And, <clears throat> but I find it interesting from state to state, these letters, that I was actually shown by a friend 
who works in the post office, here's my letter. This is what we're supposed to do. Take mm-hmm. down the fact of, you know, applications with no Social Security. Yep. And everyone did I talked to... So did you eventually provide a social on the application uh, at some point, or did you stick with your um, your fourth time of, uh, of no. not providing? No, I provided the, here's my social, but I wrote in the explanatory statement yeah. that this was given to me. It's not mine. That's great. I think and, that's wonderful. That's good. And it'll be to see because, as I said, I got my passport, and now I'm after the FOIA, just like you talked about. Oh. So that's really cool what you're doing. Well, that's good. I think that you'll appreciate that uh, that document coming from the State Department. It'll be signed by the Secretary of the United States, and and um, you can enter that into uh, uh, you know the county record, or you can uh, you know use it in court. I know some uh, clients have used it when dealing with um, um, when they've pulled out of their driver's license database. Uh, and they're using their passport card as an identifier. Um, they've not wanted to get into uh, any type of agreement with their state and uh, and driving. So um, that's what they feel um, that the passport process and those certified documents are very helpful for them. So maybe you'll have that same uh, uh, benefit, you know. But like right. I said, you know, this is this is a beginning place of. Uh, now, when someone uh, does um, does this type of process with their passport, they can't file a 1040 because one is that's within that jurisdiction. But they will be perjuring themselves either on the 1040 or on the passport uh, application with that explanatory statement. They can't do both. You can do either or, but you can't do both. Uh, there will be perjury there. Now, whether anyone charged you with perjury, that's another matter. But but it won't be congruent. And uh, that's what the, we handle in the class. Uh, we spend all day, uh, we, I talk about the state citizen um, uh, and the, uh, the ethics and uh, the integrity of self-government and such at the beginning of the class. And in the afternoon, we get into all the IRS documents and things. Oh, we spend a lot of time in definitions and things showing clearly that this federal citizen has this tax liability and obligation and uh, and we go through and it's just it's just very simple and plain how the code clearly dis, uh, makes shows these lines of jurisdiction within the United States and without the uh, federal government. So um, I I think it's um, there's a simplicity I think that goes along with this and it's and it's not um, I don't think it's difficult. I think children can understand it and um, and you don't have to figure out the tax code or and play all that. There's uh, there's no need for that. It's just um, you know once you see, I think once you clearly see these things, you can make a determination for yourself whether you believe that you have a tax liability or not. Well, that's good. Right. I'm, I'm glad you did your your process. That's cool. Who no, is I, this? I, Who are you in Central Colorado? What's your name? Bob. What's your first name? What? Bob. Bob. This is our second. Hi, Bob. Bob. Oh, yeah, it's our second Bob in Colorado. I know a few Bobs. That's great. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm thankful for your for your stand and for, um, you know, for, uh, you know, just wanting to make a distinction for yourself. That's cool. Yeah, it's like in consciousness, you got to, like, you got to grip on something. And it's 
fun following up. And we all have this potential to basically disassociate ourselves from something. We don't have it. We weren't given the knowledge. We, we basically happened at birth, and we have all these adhesion contracts. And it's fun to kind of like unwind us, you know, in a lifetime. Yeah, I, um, I'm. You know, uh, a lot of people will um, will talk about adhesion contracts and things, and, and there's things that we've agreed to that we can point to and all. I'm not. I'm not one of those that believe that invisible um, adhesion contracts that um, that that people allege are out there are valid contracts and that they have any obligation. Um, I've I've said again and again that you know you have no obligation to fulfill. Or, or um, um, to you know to uh, fulfill any contract or agreement that's without your knowledge or against your will. There's no obligation for that. So I mean, so when someone says, "Oh yeah, there's Social Security, there's a contract," I say, "Well, okay, produce it," because there's I've never signed any Social Security contract. And so the use of it or the tradition of it, I get that. I get that people practice error and they do something, but they're not doing it with full knowledge. They're not doing it full disclosure. And certainly the, our government isn't serving us in the, in the, to the end of the same, like, um, well, here's these jurisdictional lines and here's what, you know, where we are. Here's where, you, you know, they're not having that conversation. Our, our government and those people that control it um, have one thing in mind, they want to get a piece of everyone's financial action. They want a little bit of every transaction on the, on the planet, if they could. So you know that's so it's always going to be about money for them, and and so having the the an income tax liability does that, you know. And then whether you're a corporation or whatever, those are all uh, entities that have tax obligations and such. And so all that massive money flows into. Uh, D.C. and some of these state houses, and they love it. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to participate in that. No, I, I get that. And uh, it's been fun following you. Oh, that's cool. I, I find it, I find this a lot of fun. One of the things that I didn't expect, and after, after a number of years of, of doing this, is that um, people will ask me, they'll say, well, you know, what should I study? You know, what should I look into? And, you know... <laughs> There's just there's just way too much to say. Oh well, here's this that and there's and there's some great writing out there, you know, and uh, uh, that I could refer to. But but truly, the best thing to do if you really want to study something, that study principles of liberty and freedom. Understand what freedom is, what responsibility is. Understand who you are and how you're connected to the divine or or whatever your your walk is. When you understand your rights then no matter what government or, or a group of men or women or whoever out there is doing whatever, just because they're drafting up a bill or doing some other gyration in, that looks like it's legit doesn't matter. They may be violating you, but it's not with your agreement like it's okay. You know, when someone will say, well, you know, you know this is coming from this treaty out here. It's like, look, you know, are you subject to dead men's writings in which they came together for whatever they came together for, and now you're going to be subject to other dead men's writings? Really? Since when? And did you agree to that? Well, you no. Know, so you dismiss it and say, I didn't empower that. 
other people don't have authority over my life. I'll choose who I'm subject to or not. You know, if I want to be subject to my creator, that's my business. But, you know, once again, but so that's what that's the best thing, in, in my opinion, is for people to understand who they are and that they're really free from inside out. And all the statutory junk and 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 the um, all of the the uh, it's 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 just a din of noise that that really is calling people to subject subjugate themselves to other people in some way. And and you know in a representative form of government, the the government servants aren't superior to the people. Now. Federal citizens are subject to the Congress because that's what the Fourteenth Amendment says. Now, most people would, re- at least the freedom-minded people, would recognize that. I can't believe that the Fourteenth Amendment was properly ratified, but that's by tradition they're using it. And you know, whether you believe it's ratified or not, it doesn't matter because if the courts are going to utilize that and they have force, what are you going to do? Everything that we do, the the purpose of of paperwork is a peaceful way of communicating, like it says in the Declaration of Independence. You know, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to, you know, to um, s- separate themselves from another. I mean, that's that's our right is to associate or disassociate with another group of people, and that's all we're doing in our writing is saying, hey, this is true for me, and I'm not choosing to be a part of that, and therefore I'm here and you're there. I'll fulfill my contracts and agreements. And if you have, a, if you can demonstrate that I have some obligation to someone, then I'll be then demonstrate it, and then I'll look at it, and I'll determine okay. whether that's true. Okay. You know, does that make sense? Yes. But what happened to Winston Trout? What happened? What? With Winston Trout. Yeah, I'm not familiar. You'll have to tell me. Oh, well, he was brought to court, found guilty, and a lot of the stuff that I can't make, it's only about a 75% kind of analogy to what you're doing. He got convicted. The of, grand of jury. What he was convicted of all kinds of stuff, tax evasion, everything. Winston okay. has been basically doing stuff um, for the last fifteen, twenty years, mm-hmm. and the court basically said, "Sorry, you're guilty," and he's preparing his defense. Yeah. But every argument that he purported, he said, "You know what?" They fell on deaf ears. They don't want to read the Constitution. The courts do not want to hear this. Well, they don't have and to. You, you know they don't have to, right? The, the, listen, uh, if, when you're talking about a federal court, you're talking about Article One, Section 8, Clause 17. It says that the, that the federal government has exclusive legislative um, jurisdiction you know, in that D.C. So if you're a federal citizen or a resident alien and you're dealing, if you're in and, and you haven't um, uh, demonstrated that you're not a federal citizen in some way, this is why we do the passport stuff, is 
if you haven't done that and you've practiced this and you look like a federal citizen, the fact that you're in court, unless the, the only subject matter is jurisdiction. And so, and look, and I, I've, I've had a, a friend in, in, in court and we prevailed be, and they didn't, they wanted, they threw it out because we stayed only on that jurisdiction. And he already had, you know, he had his, done his work as uh, his passport work and such as that. So I don't know this, this gentleman and what his, his uh, argument case was, but but I do know, and we talk about it in the classes that when a federal citizen is going to be in that jurisdiction with respect to jurisdiction of courts and and uh, and uh, the proper uh, summons. So if if it's a misapplication of Article One, Section Eight, Clause Seventeen, if you think that just everybody that the courts have to uphold the Constitution, see this is what they they don't people don't understand out there is they don't. Not in that jurisdiction. It's just a. It's just a. Um, it's not a high court. It's just a federal court. It's like dealing with an OSHA case. If you don't, if you're not subject to OSHA, then you're not going to be in the courtroom dealing with OSHA. If you're subject to OSHA, if you're a federal citizen or resident alien, you're going to be in that jurisdiction. End of story. So that would be the only argument I have. Now, look, just because you're right or someone's right or just because, you know, someone may be pleading their case. And listen, courts in general, especially with attorneys and such, it's a screwed up system. And, and I put the I put legislature legislatures, both state and federal, as responsible for the condition of the courts, because when was the last time we had massive impeachment? None. Nobody has the nads to impeach judges i mean when 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 the legislatures will will list judges that have done foreclosures that have uh stock in banks and stuff when they pull these judges because they don't have their oaths in place and such as that then if the, if the legislature doesn't ratchet in the courts then the courts are going to be running the show which is what the founders said they would and that's where we're at but all federal citizens have to be in those courts and they don't have to abide by any constitutional obligations like due process they they like this is why people will complain about a notice of levy a notice of levy in federal jurisdiction has the same uh force and effect as a re- as a a levy that would be through uh the due process of a court in the states it has the same force and effect they're not there and so people will say well this isn't right and well if they're if you're in that jurisdiction then a notice of levy is going to be binding like like a regular levy in the states, but if you, but if you're not, then you're not going to be. Then then you would say, well, what's not in, in a, what's not improper is the notice of levy. What's improper is you being or that person being in that court. That's what's improper if they're not a federal citizen. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay, and so a lot of people don't make that distinction. Is all I'm saying is it's very common that people just complain. That as a federal citizen, and if they're not making that argument, then like the Browns, the Browns, the Browns claimed that they weren't federal citizens, and yet the IRS used their application and said, "Yes, you are. You said under penalty perjury, you are." So you know, if anyone has, if they have a passport out there and they've declared under penalty of perjury that they're a U.S. citizen, and and I know, and we show in the class that the State Department defines U.S. citizen by the Fourteenth Amendment. Their definition of the term United States is the District of Columbia. So that's not a secret. That's that's the reality of it. So unless unless you're you're making that distinction in court and that being the only distinction, 
than uh, you know to be arguing about the definition of income or or saying that the IRS isn't doing their job right because you know they don't have to. Who's overseeing the IRS? Nobody. Nobody. They're they're their own group. So I suggest people not be in that. You know. So and and I only and I only have this one one concept that that I'm that I have. Um, you know, I'm, I don't live or work in a federal enclave. I don't. You know, I, I don't have anything to do with that DC. And as far as I'm concerned, they can build a wall right around it and cap it. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> so. That good for you, Central Colorado? Thank you. Thank hey, you. Thanks so much, okay, We've got uh, four other people with their hands up, so we'll move along here. Northeast sure. Ohio, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi, Chris. I have an old passport, and mine says United States of America, and on the yeah, inside they... it has my, it says citizen slash national. Right, right, yeah. Is that the same? Yeah, all the passports, look, it's a federal document. It's a, they only issue one passport. Uh, people are, people talk out there of like, you know, they're, um, you know, they're looking for their, you know, diplomat passport. Now they have diplomat passports, but you're going to have to be a representative of somebody. You know, you have to represent some other country. So yes, it's their form. Listen, what's important is, remember, the IRS didn't use the, their passport to demonstrate their citizenship. They used their words under penalty of perjury. The important thing is your application and, and having that certified and your explanatory statement. We let them know that the nationality, there, I, know, I don't know of a nationality of the United States of America. As a matter of fact, the United States of America, a lot of people don't realize that the United States, you know, the... the, the America, if you will, is not a country. It is a confederation of states. Most of the time people understand that concept when they look at Europe. Europe's not a country. And the interesting thing is that their European Union doesn't issue passports. Their states issue passports. They have German passports and Dutch passports and French passports. You see, that's the way our country should be in America here, is our states, our countries should be doing our own passports. I recognize New Hampshire is my country, okay? I was born in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. I'm a Philadelphian by birth. I'll always be a Philadelphian because that's my nationality. My nationality is not United States of America. Matter of fact, when we do our explanatory statement, it's one of our documents, is we, we have a, um, the page from the government styles printing manual that says, when designating the natives of the states, the following forms will be used. And then they have all of the 50 uh, natives of the states, and they have their list, like a, a Californian, like a, um, a New Hampshireite, like my children are New Hampshireites. Um, you know, you can be a Floridian or like that. So those are nationalities. Okay. So we let them know on the on the on our explanatory statement. We said we say the passport says we we let them know in one of the paragraphs. It says United States of America. This is incorrect. My nationality is blah blah blah. So if the federal government says your nationality is so United States of America, it, it doesn't matter what you say. What's that? So it doesn't say it any different on your passport. It's just that in your records it's saying as you're from New Hampshire and you're a New Hampshire. No, no. It, it, it actually, believe it or not, it actually will have the state you were born in. 
That's what's on there. Mine says Pennsylvania. Believe it or not. So even though they're on the form, they're not they're not typing in United States of America. It's part of the the way they printed the book up. It's not like that. So my nationality is what they type in there. Is that they're saying Pennsylvania? Interestingly enough, that would be correct. That's where I was born, and they do that. So they're still acknowledging my nationality on the in the passport book, but they're not saying that that's my nationality, even though the the Styles Printing Manual says that they should do this. So we correct them. Every single passport we've done, we've let the State Department know that this is an error, and they've done nothing to change it. So I'm not going to be bothered that they don't change it. A lot of times people don't have peace in their hearts because they're really looking for the government to give them a thumbs up and say, please, please let me, is this okay? Can I be a state citizen? Or, or is this, you know, it's just like... Just declare your declaration under penalty of perjury, and that's your truth. And screw, you know, because look, they're not going to tell you that God exists, or they're not going to tell you, they're not going to do any of that. And nobody will say under penalty of perjury that what, you're, what you've done is incorrect. No one's going to do that. Hell, they don't even sign that most of the time. They don't even sign their responses to us. So it's, a not, you know, it's an unsigned presentment. So we just, we just deal with, we want to deal with people all the time. So, yeah, your nationality is where you were born. And so that would be how you'd declare it. And if you've had a passport before, then just correct those errors, you know. Okay. When you said you have certain ones of those uh, government forms where they're using in Title 28, 1746, uh, two for being in the U.S., and right. you're not supposed to change it. If I do sign my name, I always put after my name, W slash O. U.S. and well, no that's recourse. Nice. And, and now, if a jury read that, they wouldn't have any idea what that meant. So, but but if and that's nice that you have it there. But it could be, you know, I could make up something that it means. But you see, once again, you know, it's that it's not for you when you write. You're writing for other people. You know your truth. You're when you write something, you want other people to know your truth. And so, therefore, and now thanks. now granted that that's on there. So in your explanatory statement, you want to say clearly, because, listen, you've got to write, be writing for an eighth grader or less. You know, W, this means, you know, now you could do that and define that, that term in your explanatory statement and define it clearly. We say the same things three different ways to Sunday so that, so that if a jury has this in their hands, they're going to read it and there's no confusion, you know. So, you know, I know people will do um, ARR, and I say, like, what, is, that a, is that a pirate thing? They're like, arr, arr, that's my, you know, like, is that what the, you know, if I don't know what ARR is, it doesn't mean anything to me. It means something to you, but it's, but here's what people have, and I've talked to lots of people. See, people believe in magical paperwork. I don't believe in magical paperwork. It's like, if I put, you know, all rights reserved, then obviously, what, they're not going to violate your rights? Every day they violate our rights. They don't give two shits about your rights. So, you know, the idea is that, you know, you write all rights reserved. You know, when we do our our when we do the uh, the passports um, applications um, above the signature, we have it written in there, typed in, all rights reserved without prejudice, non assumpsit, uh, 28 U.S.C. Uh, 1746-1. Every one of them, nice and clear. And underneath, and at the top of the page, we say, see explanatory statements attached under the signature. See explanatory statements attached top and bottom of every page. We put that on there. Because we have seen the State Department will do a 
FOIA, and nothing's they they'll send out just the application of the FOIA. We're like, hold it, hold it. Do you see these words? See explanatory statements. The explanatory statements are attached. Go find these documents. You're charged in the statute to take care of these documents. They're private. So you know, then they then they come up with them. But I don't. But I'll tell you, you know, one of the things is the State Department's not consistent. I mean, generally they are, but every, you know, you know, every, every ten passports will have some funky thing that I end up having to straighten out with the State Department. And we may even have to get a, a you know, a United States congressman or senator's office involved just to get, you know, just to get where we want to go. So okay, in the anyway, same sense, I say with what you're saying with Social Security number. I tell them, no, don't attach that number with me under Title uh, 42 U.S.C. 666. I says, I do not follow that and do not put that number and insinuate it, it's me. Well, the thing is, I, and, I, and that's nice and that's your sentiment, and you, know, and you could have that in your explanatory statement. And the truth is, it isn't your number. If it was your number, you could get rid of it. It ain't your number. It's the government's number on you, and you're not going to get rid of it because you don't have that power to get rid of their number. So I just I I de I I you just let them I, I try to have you not be bothered that by, that they have a number. It ain't your number, and and right. so you you know if, if this one funky government wants the funky number from this government, I don't give a shit. I just say there's their number. Take it. It's their number. It has nothing to do with me. When okay. I stop filing income taxes, I stop paying in Social Security. I said, good, my mom can take the $40,000 in there. She, she gets it. There you go. Good luck with it. It's coming from some kid from McDonald's. You know, because they don't have any money. You know that. Right. So I, 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 just, I, I just like goodbye. When I, I, stop, I stop being bothered by their stupid stuff. I've never, I've not, I never have given up the, you know, my, um, the power that I, I don't have. That thing has power over me. And giving it out, giving it to someone. I mean, you know, if I rent, I mean, I remember years ago, I rented a laptop. They wouldn't rent me a laptop unless they got the social security number. So I just wrote for informational purposes. There you go. Take that number. Give me that laptop. I don't give a shit. Where did I sign a contract that says if I give them this social, you know, the government social security number, I have a contract? No, if you give money to the social security number to the social security administration, that's a tax. If you, and if, if you're choosing to give it, well, there you go. And then if you receive social security, that you'll be in federal jurisdiction. If you're going to receive a federal benefit from the people, from the taxpayer, well, of course you're going to be in that jurisdiction. There's no, no question about it. But that they but that they have a number. You had nothing to do with that. Maybe you got the number when you were a child. <laughs> you know what? Like what say did you have in that? None. <laughs> so so I just say like you know what? Who cares? I mean it'd be like as if you know I could make up all kinds of stories. Well you know since the since China has most of our debt you know and so then there's a social security number. Well they send you know uh, now the, so now you're owned by the Chinese. Well you know really uh, bull. Who made that story up? I mean, you know, that's the way, you know, so people will have, oh, the queen, oh, the pope, all that. You know, I don't recognize those people having any authority over my life. And, and, uh, and there, there's no difference in my mind as them and their corrupt cronies, whether they're in D.C. or whether in someone's state house or whether they're across the sea. I don't care. They're just people. 
I don't give them power. Now, that doesn't mean that some government's not going to violate you. Of course, that's why ultimately our rights are secured by force. But everything we do is for peace. Everything that we write is for peace. We just look, I want to be left alone. I'll fulfill my contracts and agreements. You know, I, I'm going to travel. This passport makes it easy. There's no, there's nothing says you have to have a passport. You can travel the world without a passport. It's hard work, though, because you have to contact the countries that you're going to enter and explain to them what you're doing. You have to say, listen, um, you know, I've contacted the, you know, the um, a prime minister or whoever in, in Great Britain, and, you know, he's written me back and says, you know, I, I, he's allowed, he says I can come into their country and they'll do their gyrations. And so, you know, when I leave with that letter and I show up on, you know, in Great Britain, and I have my letter. Here I am. I don't need a passport. I just identify myself somehow. But the idea of the passport makes it very easy to travel about. So, but there's no obligation. You can show up naked. I mean, the, most people say the difficult thing is coming into the country, which I would agree. But the idea is, you know, our governments have agreements with other governments, and they do track people because they want their money, and vice versa. So these treaties are involved with how they... Um, you know, track and deal with, it's always money, whether it's business and money or, you know, uh, merchandise and money and people and whatever. It's always about money. So they have these treaties. But, you know, you can show up at the border of America, buck naked, and they'll, they can't keep you out. It may take, a, you know, a number of hours to get you in. Say, hey, maybe you should put a robe on. You know, and, and then you're going to have to explain who the hell you are. And then you say, well, yeah, I live here. Here's my neighbor. Here's my wife. Here's this. And I'm coming. What are they, they're going to let you in. They, they are because they have no authority to keep you out. As long as they know who you are. So I'm just saying that most of the time people think they, they have a, they, they most, a lot of times people are empowering government in their life because they, they, um, who is it, Rick Joyner that says, there are those who are bound by this controlling spirit that have more confidence in the devil's ability to deceive than the Holy Spirit's ability to lead into the all truth. And there's a lot of people that believe they have strong faith in the evil of governments, and they don't have the same faith for the goodness of people. I don't have share that sentiment. I recognize that governments are screwed up. But I, I believe that if I deal with a, a bureaucracy or somebody, I'm going to love them. And I have great connections with the State Department. When we follow up with FOIAs, I have emails and phone numbers of, of people in the State Department that I've helped our clients get their FOIAs quicker because, you know, I know who to call. And, and so that's why, you know, when people hire me to help them get their passport – I've got long, a lot of years of dealing with the State Department to, to help them. We will accomplish the end task every time. We're batting 1,000. No one has not gotten passports and, and, and their documents in place with what we've been doing. Okay. Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate yeah, it. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Next up, we have guest 33. Go ahead. You've been unmuted. Hello. 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 Hey, Chris. Did you have a- How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. What uh, what part of Philadelphia are you from? Well, I'm from uh, I'm from um, oh, I mean, I was born in Philadelphia. I I right. never spent any real time there. I have family oh. in the Mount Carmel area. Um, um, my father was a, a coal miner uh, 
uh, I'm uh, on my father's side of the family, we're of Polish descent. So we were in Mount Carmel, Ashland, and all that little area there and near, uh, I guess that's near Scranton. But uh, we just recently were over that way, and I got to meet some family for the first time. Can't even believe that. And uh, it was a joy. But I've, I've, I mean, Pennsylvania is beautiful, but I've really spent no time there, um, you know, uh, in my life. So, uh, But, yeah, I was born at the uh, base hospital in uh, in Philly. I think it was across the street, I'm told, uh, by some uh, the baseball diamond there or whatever, so... So wherever that is, I've never, I've never seen it. So I've only been okay. to uh, uh, Philadelphia at the, um, you know, the uh, to see the Declaration of Independence. Uh, you know, at least that, that's where when the, the uh, that original Constitutional Conference that was there, Congress that. Okay. Was there. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah. Are you from Pennsylvania? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. I. Uh... Well, I was actually born outside of this country and uh, yep. immigrated here when I was very young and grew up in the northeast uh, part of Philadelphia. And then now I just live in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Oh, well, cool. That's yeah. Cool. That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So when you said you, you naturalized, were you, did you naturalize as an adult or, or with your uh, parents? Parents. Okay, so they naturalized and you were just part of their process in that regard. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So that that leads me to my question. Um, as far as obtaining a passport uh, and the the process that you use, does it work for people who are naturalized? Well, you know, well, once again, <clears throat> most of the time our governments aren't telling people, oh, you know, um, you're going, we're going to have you be a citizen subject to the jurisdiction thereof, Fourteenth uh, Amendment. You know, people, you know, there are attorneys that think that that amendment secures people's privileges and immunities when they don't realize that it's, you know, a citizen subject to the jurisdiction thereof is, is backwards, you know, the power is backwards there. So there, we have a number of people that, that have naturalized. And so when I ask them, when you look at your naturalization papers, it'll show the state that you were naturalized in. Interestingly enough, they, they should still show that um, because, you know, um, before the 14th Amendment and even after, uh, you know, the states did these naturalization. Uh, the authority given the federal government in um, Article, uh, you know, Article 1, Section 8, Clause, I think it's 4, says that the only authority they give the federal government is to, is to um, um, come up with a uniform rule for naturalization. It doesn't say that they're um, given the authority to naturalize. Okay. The uniform rule, uh, you know, within the states was what they were charged with. So, but the federal government, obviously, since the 14th Amendment, is now uh, facilitating their citizens. Which, when you read the oath uh, that the uh, that when someone naturalizes, um, I, as as being born here as an American, I would never take that oath because besides the history of the oath, where you see that you know you're you know. You know, you're swearing to uphold the Constitution, and uh, you know you, that you know that you're giving up these foreign uh, obligations, if you will. You know that's very old. But the newer section, and I'm not—I don't remember. I think it was maybe it was in the uh, '70s or something, where they where you're swearing to take up arms. Now here it is: they they do have this gun control stuff out there, but but in these new citizens are swearing to take up arms on behalf, um, uh, you know, for the. Um, for, you know, on, the, on behalf of the United States federal government when required by law. And then if you don't want to kill people for the federal government, you can do non-combatant service 
when required by law. And then if you don't want to do that, then they can compel you to take up work of national importance when required by law. Free people don't have to do things like this when required. But, you know, they don't have when required by law. I would never do that. Listen, if you have a just cause and your government is doing something just and you need men to step up to secure our, our liberty and freedom, you don't need to conscript them or, um, you know, put, you know, draft them into the military service. People will be there more than you need. But this is, but this is what we do, these federal citizens being uh, statutory citizens, you know, like slaves, you have to conscript them and you have to, um, you know, compel them to do your dirty deeds. That's, and so for me, I'm thinking this is a group of people who are going to defend. These are going to be the kind of people that are getting all these privileges and immunities, their health care, all the nonsense that the, uh, Washington wants to offer them. These will be the people we'll be squaring off with. So, what I'm, what, so when I talk to clients that have um, naturalized, I ask them, I say, well, did they disclose that you had a choice in this? No. Did you have an attorney that was securing your rights while you're, you're moving forward? No. So now look, you become a federal citizen, now you have a tax liability. I mean, are, is there no attorneys out there? Does nobody who naturalizes get their attorneys? Can a tourist come in and say, listen, I'd like to visit your country, but I don't want to give up any rights? No, 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 no. If you visit here, you give up any right to a hearing. You know, you, you know, you know we're, we want you to empower us to throw you out of the country if you come here as a tourist. So everyone who comes to America has to give up their rights. That's our federal government, wholesale. So I, I would ask you that once again. We'll see what, what I'm making up about your naturalization process is that you naturalized in, into Pennsylvania. And, and so once you establish your habitation and domicile in Pennsylvania, then that's your citizenship. That's your country that you're a citizen of. And so, therefore, that's, that's what, why you have a right to passport is because, um, is because of your habitation and domicile and your, and your naturalization process becoming a citizen of Pennsylvania. That's the way, and that's the way we do it in the explanatory statement. And because you won't use a birth certificate, you'll be using your naturalization papers establishing uh, your, na your nationality. So your nationality with respect to that is, um, would be uh, Pennsylvanian. That would be your nationality. And you see, we're very clear um, <clears throat> if people were naturalizing in Germany or Italy or whatever. Here they're still part of the European Union. But no one's over there claiming to be a European. <laughs> Maybe there are, but a German wants to be a German. An Italian wants to be Italian. French wants to be French. In America, we're ignorant. We want to be our American Union. And then we want to sing that song. And then we want to, and then its flag, we want to hold that above everything that's honorable. I mean, it, that we're so federalized, it isn't funny. We've got so much propaganda coming out there. Americans are, are, are some of the most generous and stupid people on the planet. Because we're, I mean, partly is because we've allowed our federal government to educate us. So, so you know, that's where we are. So, that, so that, that's what we do. And there's no difference. Your explanatory statement is going is to declare what's true for you. And you may have more that you have to say in that. You may want to have more in there about, you know, I never intended to be a federal citizen subject to the jurisdiction. I'm always going to retain my rights. I don't want their privileges and immunities, you know. So, and you and and we have that kind of wording in our explanatory statements.
Okay. Now, do you already have a passport? Yes. Yeah. So what? So as part of what we we start off in in that explanatory statement, so we turn in all previous passports and we turn them in, whether they're expired or not, doesn't matter. We'll turn them in if they're expired. We turn them in if they're not expired. We give them the passport back. They punch holes through them, and we say them. I'm returning this passport to this passport authority because the application for it had errors concerning my proper citizenship and nationality, and that's why we're returning it. See, at the post office, because they're ignorant, they and they're not trained to deal with anything like this. They they say like, oh, here you well you are you. They don't know what it is. They can't they can't have a conversation on about whether you're a United States citizen or not because they don't know this subject matter. So they look at the passport. They think that's it. They don't know what the application is saying. And so people, people think, oh, you've got to just do a renewal. No. When you've done this process properly, then you can do a renewal. I've done a renewal because it's been more than 10 years since uh, I did mine originally. So once, once you do it correctly, then you can renew based upon the, the, the correct um, documentation that you've, that, you've, uh, that you've updated. So, And the beauty of that, the empowerment, is the idea is that the errors are yours. There's nothing wrong with correcting errors. Does that make sense? Yeah, very good. Cool. What is uh what is the best way to get a hold of you? Uh you can go to the website. Um you can email me at Christopher at destinationfreedom.org. Um there's some contact phone numbers you can call the office. Uh, I'll probably be there uh tomorrow morning and um I'd be glad to talk with you, you know, uh specifically. Now we have uh we have our, our state citizenship class and if, if uh if you do the full process uh, in which I do all your documents and such for you. Um, uh, that's $1,050 for that process. Now, um, we just recently began doing passport workshops, and, and what we've done is we've, um, we require that in order to get into the passport workshop, you have to take the state citizenship class. Um, and so it gives that background of, it gives them, you know, uh, you get to know me and, and you know where I'm coming from, why I think and do what I do, and and how we help you. I talk about this jurisdiction. Uh, we talk about the difference between the state and the federal citizen in that regard. And so um, then it, then the people who have taken that class can take the passport workshop, in which we we uh, will we'll plan a workshop, and then people I go over how to fill out the application, and I give templates for the. Uh, explanatory statement explaining you know going over it line by line and and what you would change so that you can make the documents your own and that they look nice and clean for you and mm -hmm. then then if you want to handle all of the you know cuz we expect the state department to deny passport for no social but we provide the social in a caveat letter in which in which we declare that it's in violation of the privacy act and all these things uh we list in there and have that as an affidavit uh, then they have the number because they have it anyway, but we give them the number so that now in the that we have that document also in our um, certified documents. That's what we want. So it's been it's great because they always always had that number. So that so if um, so if you do all of your own responses and you do your own FOIAs, uh, the workshop's three hundred dollars. So some people like to do that. They're pretty versed at writing letters and doing stuff like that. I'm, I'm glad to, uh, if at any part of that process they don't want to do it and they want to uh, have me 
uh, write a response. I think my responses are uh, $75 for that. And then if we do the FOIA, it's like $125. But if, uh, but if someone does, wants me to do all of the process, we cover anything that the State Department, um, um, whatever kind of response they have, uh, I'd be, I would be responsible for that. And then, um, and then if, we're, if there are any hang-ups, I facilitate getting, them, getting all those. Uh, I move us from where, where you are to your certified documents, and uh, mm -hmm. regardless of how long that takes. So. And sometimes, okay. I mean, we have had clients that have taken a year to finally get all their stuff just because of uh, what they want to add to the, uh, the process. See, I have uh, four pages as an affidavit and, and six, uh, let's see, um, five additional pages as support, okay? Then there's people who um, uh, have other things they want to have in there. There's one guy didn't want to use the dates for the, for the Gregorian calendar and because it's a solar calendar. He has dates for his birth based upon a uh, lunar calendar. So we had to have this chart and, and make these changes and stuff, and we just have to communicate it. Uh, and then other people have other beliefs that they want to put in there, and so therefore they do. And so you know, I have to take all that data and put together their documents so that it's congruent. That's all. Mm -hmm. Are you uh, familiar with the latest quote-unquote law that was recently passed, I believe in July, regarding um, if someone has uh, an outstanding uh, yep. tax balance of 50000 or more, they can <clears throat> deny the passport? Yes, I'm very familiar with that. Yeah, we have that in there. We also cite that, see, they cite Section 6039E, uh, that 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 gives them the authority to provide social. Uh, we provide that code in the explanatory statement, showing that there's no such authority. The word Social Security isn't even in that statute. And we we have in our explanatory statements we mentioned that that code that you're referring to it was uh, passed in um, in 2015. They didn't just they didn't start enforcing it, if you will, uh, until last fall. Now. It's a specific thing, and listen, let me just say this. It, it, for even long before that, if you were in litigation with IRS, they would restrict your passport anyway. So that's not new, okay? And listen, I've had clients that you know, have, have had communication with IRS from everywhere from a couple thousand dollars to over a million dollars. They still get their passports, okay? The thing is, is if you're not in litigation with the IRS, then there's not there's nothing the State Department's going to get from the IRS, okay? So I've never seen not that that doesn't mean that they won't. I'm just saying I out of all the passports we've been doing, um, I have never seen the State Department not issue passport for someone not have uh, owing taxes, if you will. So I, they've never seen that. That's not happened yet, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so I've not seen that implemented. I, but I am familiar with that, that they cite that as part of their uh, wanting people to provide the social that they already have. <laughs> we let them know they already have it. <laughs> so it's just, it's, right. um, it's just uh, another hoop to jump through. It's unfortunate. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah, sure. No problem. Hope to talk to you. Yep. Definitely. Cool. Moving on. Let's see here. Bob. Titus, back in Colorado, you've been unmuted. And then we Angela. have Central Florida. Yes, my Angela, dear. It's Bob. I, I I had my hand up a couple times, and then you seem to think I had my hand up, but I had already talked, and 
I probably put my hand up a couple times before you saw it or something. And oh. I'm kind of drunk right now, so I better <laughs> not talk. All right. Thank you. All right. Party Go on. lay uh, down. Relax. Okay, next up, Central Florida. You've been unmuted. Go ahead. Um, thank you, Angela. And, uh, You're welcome. Is it, is it Chris? Is it Chris? Christopher, Christopher. Yeah. Christopher, yeah. Christopher. Um, uh, could you repeat your website real quick? That's destinationfreedom.org. Yeah, we have links for registering for the class. We have a class coming up on Saturday. Uh, it's an all-day class from ten to four to ten to five. Um, we take a lunch break. Um, that's ten o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and uh, we take a break, uh, an hour break for lunch, and then we uh, about every hour and a half we take a ten-minute break, um, and then. Um, uh, you know, so um, it's, it's a lot of information. I try to move through it as quick as I can uh, for everybody. Um, but like I said, we have that coming up. And then uh, next week I'll have, um, uh, I think I'll have two passport workshops. And the dates and the times are all on the website. Uh, so, And there's registration forms for the class and the workshop. But in order to be in the workshops, you'll, you've had to have taken the class. So if, you, if someone's looking to do the passport workshop, They'll need to be in this next class, um, and then we'll have a we'll have a class. I I haven't uh, actually I have a I haven't booked it on the website, but I'm planning a live class in New Hampshire on November fourth. Um, it's a Saturday, and uh, so um, I I don't know. I we may we may have it here at my home, or we may just end up being at my office uh, uh, in that class. It's possible. So uh, well, I have to—I haven't determined yet, but it'll be somewhere in my area here. But yeah, it's going to be a live class. So if you're in the area, you're—you're you're welcome to uh, be a part of that. That's quite a faraway area. I'm in the Southwest Florida, but uh, I wanted to also ask: Are yeah. you familiar with uh, the passport process at CopperMoonshineStills.com or at uh, SovereignToSurf.com? Uh, yes, I'm very familiar with Copper Moonshine. Um, I've uh, talked to that guy on the phone. He is awesome stills. He has bad information on passports, okay? Uh, okay. I have a lot of clients that have come, have done his process, and when I talk with them, you know, they, they, he doesn't give them support on doing an explanatory statement. He has, a, he has a fantasy about that if you say that your parents are not uh, U.S. citizens and, um, and then you have, like, RFD for your for your permanent address, and certainly you don't provide social. I think he may even say uh, put zeros in. We don't we don't recommend that people people put zeros in uh, if they have if there's a social. Once again, there are people who have this idea. They say it's not my social security number, so they distance themselves and say they don't have a social, and then they f they make up that it's zeros, and they you know, and it's just it's disingenuous. Zeros are if there's never been issued a social. We have children with with you know some of the clients that we have they have children that have no socials they put we put zeros in there and then later on they want us to um, uh, sign under penalty of perjury without the United States that that there that there's no that there's never the Social Security Administration has never issued a social but we we withhold the social that's why we put a line through it on the application we want them to know that there's no social so what what people will do out there with these with the uh, 
post offices, they'll put zeros in there, and so the post office looks okay. So a lot of times people are doing that only because they don't know how to, you know, deal with the acceptance agent. We have a line through it. We're telling the State Department we're not providing it. So because they have the number already, and we don't have to provide it. So nor is it, you know, it's a violation of the Privacy Act anyway. But nonetheless, uh, then this last passport that they changed in which they put that code uh, from 22, um, United States Code 22, uh, Section 2714A, they, um, they removed the Privacy Act from the instructions on the application, even though they, the title Privacy Act is still there, they removed the, the reference to the Privacy Act. Um, so, so it's uh, you know it, it's uh, it's just one of those things you know you um, eventually you know you're going to provide the social that they have anyway. But we're we're glad with the uh, with the caveat uh, letter that gives that kind of support. And did that answer well, your the, question? Or well, no? they're constantly uh, uh, creating new hurdles when you it find a way, that way yeah. to do it. Um, the Roger Sales would would advocate that the social security number is not the nexus that connects you anyway. Well, as far I, as a I, U.S. citizen. Well, I, and I would agree. I mean, I, I mean, whether you know, once again, it's they have the number. It's not like we're keeping it from them. The number's there. Not participating in the privacy, uh, the Social Security Act is the way, in my opinion, to just live your life. I don't care what they do with that stupid. That program's going to be defunct at any time now, anyway. But the but the bottom line is here's what I know and this is what I show in the class. I have I have on on State Department letterhead in which they say they define the US citizen by the 14th amendment. I know that because they said so. So that's the first thing. So and if the State Department in which in which they determine citizenship of everybody who's getting passports, they're the ones that determine citizenship in this in in these states. I, I that's going to be congruent with the IRS. So that's what I'm clear with. So the explanatory statement, in my opinion, is the most important thing because you're going to explain what's true for you under penalty of perjury. So, what you, uh, so when what you say, you say about yourself is the most important thing. Go ahead. When you say explanatory statement, you uh, you do you mean affidavit? Sure. Yes. The uh, the explanatory statement that we use. Well, it doesn't have to be an affidavit. I mean, if you chose, you can do an explanatory statement just to explain whatever it is you're explaining. But yes, we, and I think it's important to have it be an affidavit because you know um, you may submit that into court as evidence. So yes, we do. We have the explanatory statement notarized um, as true and correct, and uh, we, we you know it's signed under penalty of perjury as well without the United States. So the, uh, the explanatory States. statement is the most important thing, in my opinion, because it's going to explain exactly what the hell you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing, and, and making that very, very clear. And uh, so, uh, but I've, I think, um, I, don't, I don't remember clearly on uh, Roger Stiles um, as far as some of the things he's done with the, the process. Now, now with the, the CEDAM website or the FAM Guardian, they, you know, and, and look, that's a wonderful website. It's got a lot of good support for a lot of things for people. So I, I don't want to poo-poo that. Um, I, I mean, I've been all over that website. But the um, but their passport work, they're not doing that for people. They have forms and things like that, but but it's not current. And so they're they're not always updating their data. So that's part of the reason why I don't broadcast all of um, 
this kind of work on a website because it changes so often. And I don't want anyone to come across information of mine that's outdated in which um, I'm going to be liable, I, I mean in my heart, liable for you know, uh, harming somebody uh, with, with outdated information. I, that's why we, we endeavor to get to know everybody that comes through you know, our site and, and uh, wants our help, whether we're, they're doing the workshops or our classes or, you know, I'm helping people personally, you know. I mean, we, well, Family Guardian is, uh, Family Guardian I find to be overwhelming. Uh, it's a lot. Just, there, there's they, a lot of stuff there. too much there. there. I, I guess. But um, I've seen their documents um, with respect to Passport, right? So I would have someone, they, they would, you know, if I, they came on as a client, they'd say, well, here's what I did before. And so I'd look over their document and I'd ask them and say, did you read this? Uh, well, yeah, you know, usually they don't. They're relying upon other people's citations. I said, have you looked up the citations that you're claiming that you're holding to? And, you know, most people don't look up citations. They just kind of trust that the person did. And so, you know, when I was, when I was doing biblical research and we're studying Scripture, man, I had, I had a teacher telling me, don't take my word for it. You look up every single reference. You look it in there. You turn the pages. You glance. You confirm that it says what it says. So, you know... A lot of times people will use those remedies, and, and they didn't look up these cases. They don't look up Supreme Court cases. They don't read them. You know. Well, that falls back to uh, that, that falls back to when you referenced uh, how does a man that died 150 years ago have any burden on me? Uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, even like you know, people will say, well, and, and here, and I agree too. Listen, if the Supreme Court rules on something that secures our rights, well, and God bless the Supreme Court, that's wonderful. If they rule on something and it violates my rights, well, fuck the Supreme Court. That's what I say about them. So the idea is, and I'm sorry about my profanity, but I feel strongly that way. But the idea is that, listen, anytime the Supreme Court rules on on something and it's five to four, well, somebody's screwed up. Well, I mean, so how come there's like this? How come the legislature says if everything's not unanimous, um, and if there's and 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 this is a case that's that's ruled five four, then we're going to impeach anybody who doesn't uphold the Constitution or doesn't understand it? When does that ever happen? Never. Well, we, we when just, when a jury when a jury would have to be unanimous, uh, and the Supreme Court isn't, it, it doesn't. You're right; it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't, because, I mean, look, if it's an important issue, right, and and four of them are saying this and five are saying this, well, who's right? Who's right? You know, you know who's right? The people are right. And the people get to read it over and go, oh, no, this is bunk, and then deal with these people that are wrong. If they're, if they're supporting something that's tyrannical, well, then eliminate these idiots. I mean, it's like, well, my word, we're, we're, we're ashamed, shameful, you know? Right. I also want to ask... Uh, yeah. Do you maintain a driver's license? I still have a driver's license. Yes. Uh, here's and here's my reason for that. Okay. Now, <laughs> I have a client and is, who who was also a state rep. Okay, and he was interested in restoring the right to travel here in New Hampshire. And I'm certainly interested in, in restoring the right to travel, of course. You see, I have not seen any remedy out there that is works everywhere all the time. I've never seen that. And so in my pursuit of, of freedom, okay, and especially with staying focused on this, this particular issue that's important to me, I have chosen for myself, I don't want to waste my time uh, dealing with um, the lack of self-government on my part, okay? 
Okay, so I mean, if I'm speeding and I get pulled over on a cop, it's gonna now if I can't dance my way out of it talking to the cop, then you know it's gonna cost me three hundred bucks or whatever it is, and my life I move on. They get their fee and blah blah blah. Now look, I think it's funky, but it has to be changed from the legislature. And if we as freedom-minded people don't have something better, then it's gonna, we're gonna be hard pressed to overcome that tradition. But I, but this rep who was a client went into the to the transportation uh, committee in our legislature, and, they, and he had great information on restoring the right to travel. And here's what they said in, in, this, in, in New Hampshire. They said, we recognize what you're saying is true, except for we're not giving up the $6 million that comes in because of the registrations and licensing and all this other stuff and, and, and all of the money that's generated by way of traffic citation violations and such. So, that's nope, what that that's, makes sense. that's what freedom of the right to travel costs in New Hampshire. It's six million dollars. Well, the reason I ask is I maintain a commercial driver's license, and I wouldn't want to uh, to risk my vocation. I, now, uh, and that's a that's a choice you make. The only thing is that when when I do my driver's license, okay, they ask that question: Are you a United States citizen? Now, when I did my passport, and I don't know what they mean by that. See, a lot of people will just react and say, no, I'm not a U.S. citizen. Let me just tell you a truth. I am not a United States citizen, and I am a United States citizen. Both those are true. It depends on the definition of the term United States. Because I'm a citizen of one of the states, I am a United States citizen. That's a reality. But it doesn't mean I'm a 14th Amendment citizen. That's not the same thing. So... I needed to find out what definition of United States that New Hampshire was using, and so I contacted the the, uh, the director of the Department of Transportation, and I said, "What's your definition?" They they had attorneys looking back into the 1800s to try to determine. They said they didn't have one. They said that they couldn't issue the driver's license if I didn't answer yes. I said, "I don't mind answering yes, but I want to define this term." They said, "That's wonderful." So I scanned in explanatory statements just like I did with my passport in with my driver's license so that I didn't want to compromise my citizenship with respect to that. Now, now, recently I have a client who changed his citizenship from Alaska to New Hampshire, and we asked the state again about that definition of term. Just recently, the director of uh, transportation in New Hampshire defined that term as the District of Columbia. So that's a game changer for me. So here's the thing. Now, I'm okay. So so next time I'm doing licensing, uh, renewing my driver's license, which is going to come up in 2018, I'm going to write no. And, you know, and then uh, if they're not going to issue me a driver's license, I may not qualify for a driver's license. And then I'm not going to have a driver's license, and I'm going to pull my name out of the database, and I will be traveling without a license because I don't qualify for a license. And that is going to be where we're going to go with that. And then I'm okay with that process because, see, here's what I'm not interested in. I'm not interested in fighting with every single uh, cop, in whether I'm traveling across the country, anywhere, dealing with everyone because I'm driving without a license. I'm going to have something from the state if I don't – I want paperwork that's going to say that I don't qualify for their driver's license or they have to change the term or something. But I'm going to get the legislature to deal with this. Because I'm not a 14th Amendment citizen. I'm not a citizen of the District of Columbia. So therefore, I want that stuff all out in the light. So it's just a thing I have to deal with. But everybody in every client that's in all these different states, they have to deal with the same thing. And so we want to. Now, here's the benefit. 
if you're in court because the IRS thinks you have a tax liability and they're trying to claim that you are this citizen subject to the jurisdiction thereof and you're, you have this uh, liability, and they, they've said that, that this state citizenship is, is frivolous. Well, I'm here. I have massive documentation from New Hampshire that it's hardly frivolous. Uh, that I vote, that I run for office, that, um, I've, that I'm disqualified for being on a jury, I have a lot of communication from my government in my state concerning this issue. This is hardly frivolous. I can make the case that I'm not a federal citizen all day long. So that I, so th- I'm never going to be charged with willful failure to file, ever. I got too much information. So I want so by doing these processes and asking these questions and getting the state to define their terms, it's it's a way of bringing it all out in the light. Now here's the thing, um, I believe that now as far as licensing go, like your your commercial licensing, all I would want if if you were a client of mine, I would say let me see what the license says, let me see what they're saying, or you there may be a qualification of your citizenship or something. That would be what you want to make sure is clear. So, um, so, so you may need to produce or provide information of uh, an explanatory statement that goes along with the license, just to make sure that you're not uh, referring to yourself as a 14th Amendment citizen or something in that regard. Does that make sense? That yeah, it does. Now I want to ask uh, because you were born in Pennsylvania, yes. But now you domicile in New Hampshire, yes. Uh, after a certain period of time, I suppose. And you're a qualified elector in New Hampshire. Does that make you a New Hampshireian? And no, no, I'll a, never be a New Hampshireite. No, my children are New Hampshireites. I'm ne- I'm never going to be a New Hampshireite. I'm a New Hampshire citizen. I'm a citizen of New Hampshire, but I'm not a New Hampshireite. No, I'm a Pennsylvanian. Okay, so I was born in Ohio, so I'll always be a o- Ohio Ohio. You're an Ohioan by birth. You're that's your nationality, Ohioan. And if you live in Florida, a, you're a, you're not a Floridian. You're a citizen of Florida. Or okay, now that's another term I wanted to ask you about. Is it Florida citizen with a capital C, or is it a citizen well, we, capital we, C we of we Florida? Use capital with respect to that. You see, once again, there's people that believe that a citizen is um, you know is a creation of the state and that kind of thing. Or uh, but I don't I don't recognize. Any government is superior to me. Whether I don't care if I'm going to call myself a joker or they're a joker, a citizen. I, I consider a citizen as a participant. What does that mean? That means you're standing on juries. You're vote, you, know, you may be voting uh, for your local reps. And look, the value of that is you're going to have local people who are facilitating. Uh, the value of having a republic is that you're going to have people who are um, securing your rights and making sure government doesn't violate you. You can pursue your rights because you have a representative uh, form of government, and so you get to choose your um, your representative. You know, and I always think this stuff is always better in the local level. So the idea is that voting is important because, listen, if you don't vote and participate in the politics, then inferior people will be governing you, and you don't want that. You want the best people in juries. And you want the best people in, um, you know, in the state house. I mean, you know, I, I try to help people go to the authorities, uh, and, and in the sense of those that have power, and ha- either support them if they're freedom-minded, or pull them out of there if they're not. Ed Griffin, who 
who wrote Creature from Jekyll Island, he's got Freedom Force International. What he says is that freedom-minded people have to take back the power centers of our culture, not just in office and the government, but every power center. We have to have freedom-minded people that are engaged and are teaching people about liberty and freedom. It's not an option. It's not optional. It's a requirement. So I'm not of the opinion that by by referring to myself as a citizen um, that I'm something um, – uh, that I'm that I'm subordinate to government. The purpose, the Declaration of Independence, uh, says that that the that the purpose of government is to secure rights. That is the only purpose of a just government is to secure rights. Period. So everything that they're doing that's not securing rights uh, can it, is only for it in its jurisdiction, and it doesn't. Uh, it's it's not for me or you. Our, that's why we're required to self-govern. So the, so the idea is that I look at my – when I say I'm a citizen of New Hampshire, it means I'm fully engaged. And at no time ever do I give up my rights, and no time ever is, is, is my government – you know, am I subject to my government in any way, shape, or form. Now, I, I get there. We have these tyrannies, and that we've, got, we've been practicing this error for a long time. But if those of us who understand you know, uh, what rights are and, and how to secure rights – that's what we have to bring to the to the population, to the people. And most of the time, freedom-minded people even want their freedom to be imposed upon the socialists, if you will. And so we're no more, less tyrants than they are. The idea is that when we recognize that freedom, sometimes when people's hearts are not prepared for freedom, even freedom will be tyranny to them. So people have to grow up and mature and take on responsibility in order to be free. And that's what, in our culture... You know, the whole thing of government is they want to be responsible for you and, and, and for, uh, for the people to live in that irresponsibility of other things and people taking care of them. I mean, and, and, and it's on a wholesale basis. So, so, anyway, so, so with respect to licensing and all that stuff, you know, I'm, I'm, for, um, I'm not for licensing anything. I'm for certifying that people are knowledgeable. That's okay. You know, then you say, okay, you, you, you hold a certain amount of information. That's great. And usually these, these industries and such, they can certify within themselves without having to empower governments to do that. That's what I believe. I believe uh, Roadway or Yellow Freight or, or any yep. trucking company should license their own drivers, not any state or government. That The company yeah, should yeah. license. And, right, and it wouldn't be a license. It would be a certification. You're a certified driver for this company. There you go. That, right. and, and this company says all of our drivers are safe. They've taken these things. because Why? Because they're trying to say that, hey, we're, we're, we care about you. I get that. But we don't need government to do that crap. That's just nonsense. Government exactly. should only the, secure rights. But it's a monetary. My, my, my last question would be, yeah. what year did the United States start requiring or issuing passports? Do you know? Uh I've read it. I mean, I mean, because I've I've got books on history of it. Because uh, some of that stuff is um, um, uh, your I, best guess. It's always been associated with um, with with war, and so I was trying to think whether it was associated with World War One. Um, I know that the um, people have had travel documents, but passports are are. Um, I, I don't recall um, that uh, how late that back. Do you have that information off the top of your head? No, but would you guess it's after 1900 or before 1900? Um, I would have to. Say, I would say it was closer to World War One because they were using them as, um, 
you know, the idea of passport was was just uh, associated with entering a port and during wartime that you'd have, uh, um, you know, it's like, you know, coming across into a country and you're saying, you know, or whether, determining whether someone was friend or foe, they would have documents by their government saying that they are who they are. So that's where, that, that's been the purpose of it. Where they began to issue with the people after the war, it's like everything government does. During a time of tragedy or whatever, we lose our freedoms because we're looking for safety, and then all of a sudden they never repeal these things. They keep them going because governments always are um, – they're looking for their own safety, not our safety. So it's, so it's, it's way beyond uh, the Civil War and the Reconstruction Act. You know, that's what I, I, I'm not um, – I don't know that it was bef- – you know, that um, that the Civil War had – I'm sure that their military people had documents and such, but I don't – I don't think anybody during the Civil War that people had travel documents like that, a passport from the government. So um, so I, I don't think that I've never – that I recall off the top of my head that way. I, that's why I said I'm, I'm, I look – I'm thinking more for like World War One. That would have been like uh, – what is that, like 19 um, – uh, 1910, 1908, 1910, uh, something like that? Um, I'm, I'm thinking 1920 or 17 or somewhere around there. Yeah, I, okay. So that's that's what I'm thinking – with respect to our current somewhat passports like that. Well, uh, thank Janine you for... Here uh, is, wait, wait. Janine here is saying that President Wilson issued such a proclamation on August 18th, 1918. Yeah, see, there you're I right. Know. That was probably associated with, with that. Um, yeah. uh, that sounds like uh, the World War One, something in that either before or after that, yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much oh, yeah. for accepting Angela's invitation and uh, for your website. Um, oh, that, yeah, destination I haven't done the process yet. I've uh, I've filed a uh, uh, okay. affidavit, uh, and, and I haven't done the process yet because I wanted to settle all my disagreements sure. with Uncle Sam and all his friends. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, but, that's, that's fine. That's but I'm getting there, so oh, that's thank cool. you for yeah, the Yeah, just give me a uh, buzz, and I'll be glad to chat. We'll, we'll, we'll talk specifically. Um, that's the other thing uh, that you just, just reminded me. You were talking about. Um, oh shoot! I, this was spacing. It was about. Um, um, okay, I, just, I lost it. It'll come back to me. <laughs> so, anyway, I was thinking about um, about the uh, the process, the passport process. Oh. Uh, for, anyway. Anyway, I, okay. I, I lost it. I was going to say something, but I I forgot. I will come back. It'll come. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank Our you, and thank you very Florida. much, Angela. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, next up is Northeast and North Central Pennsylvania. That's a long one. Another, it's been another Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead, you've been unmuted. Northeast and North Central Pennsylvania. Did you, you, did you want to say something? Maybe you have your mute button on. I unmuted you on this end. Uh, All right. Well, if you you have something to say, you can press star eight again, and I'll unmute you. Uh, We're going to move to East Maryland. Go ahead, Maryland. You've been unmuted. East Maryland, you've been unmuted. Hello. Wake up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 
Yeah, you, I'm sorry. Yeah, but, I'm a mute button, Yep. Oh. oh, hi, Ron. How you yeah, doing? Yeah, you know, I could say it a hundred times and everybody forgets their mute button, even me. So, I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, this Chris Grodsky, I've been hearing about him from friends of mine in Texas for the last two weeks. I've been trying to figure out how to get in touch with him. And everybody gives me a YouTube thing and says, go ahead and do this. Well, you know I got no electricity. And I can't get a hold of nobody. And uh, my court case is coming up soon. uh, And they're trying to put me away for a year because I don't have a driver's license. I'm a terrible bandito. So I need to call. I'd like to talk to Chris in the morning. How can I call him? Uh, um, I think I'm going to be at the office in the morning. Um, uh, Probably uh, you can give me a call at 603 uh six seven one seven zero one three and uh that that's my office line. You can leave a message. Say that again. Six oh three. Six seven one seven oh one three. Six oh three six seven one uh seven zero one three, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, so uh, I'll be glad to chat with you uh, if you like uh, uh you know. Thank you. Uh, thank you. All right. Thanks, Ron. Is that it for you? Yeah, Angie. Thank you, sweetheart. You're welcome. Okay, next up, Southeast Texas. Go ahead. You've been unmuted. Southeast Texas, you've been Uh, unmuted. Yes, ma'am. Can y'all hear me? Yes, we can now. Yes, yes. I I had a question, and, and I know that it's completely off of the topic that, that y'all is discussing here tonight. But I wanted to ask if, if either one of y'all had heard the news today that the Boy Scouts of America is going to be allowing girls to come into the Boy Scouts starting next year. Well, it's yeah, about I heard time. That. That's wonderful for those boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <All> the girls. <laughs> I know you did. some problems, though, I think, right? Yeah, you know. yeah, that's gonna be well. What, what? I really don't have a problem with it. I just only thing I say, I don't, I don't give a damn who's in the scouts. If it's the boys or the girls, just as long as they keep the, 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 stop coming by my house with them high price goddamn cookies they be selling. <laughs> I ain't buying them. Uh, uh-uh. I'm gonna go down to the dollar store, and you know, you know, you can buy some of them assortment cookies. They got the chocolate ones, and then they got the vanilla ones, and then they got the other ones. <laughs> okay, Look, thanks so much. We store. appreciate your call. Thank you. What? He's off topic. I'm sorry, you're off topic. You know, we're not. That's fun though. <laughs> yeah. All right, guest ninety twenty nine oh, twenty nine. You've been unmuted. Oh, hey, Angela. Hi. Uh, hey, Chris. Hey, Christopher. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? It's uh, Russell from Texas. Hey, Russell. How are you? Hey, hey doing good. I'm a, I'm a client of uh, Christopher. Uh, I've had my uh, passport, USA passport, uh, book and card for a little over two years. And uh, I, want, I wanted to call in and encourage your listeners to contact Christopher and uh, and to get a passport. I think it's it's the only way to correct your status and, uh, and get recognized in that status. So I'm totally in support of uh, Christopher's work. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Russell. That's, awesome. well, that's good to know. Thank you, you so much. I'm glad everything's yeah. working out for you. 
Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, Christopher, uh, he knows all the ins and outs of dealing with the process. So when you get letters and you get demands, uh, he has all the experience in the world at responding uh, properly and uh, getting the actual uh, authenticated passport evidence, as he said, is the key. It's not the passport or the book itself. Uh, it's the evidence that you have, the authenticated evidence that has your uh, the evidence you submitted to get the passport. Now, uh, when I got that evidence, uh, I'm of the nature that I did not want uh, to have any federal contracts. And so, you know, I, I took a little bit different path than Christopher uh, in the fact that, uh, I, you know, I, I know what a driver's license is. I know what the jurisdiction is. I know what it's for. And I didn't want it. And I didn't need it. And so, uh, you know, I'm one of the people that, you know, rescinded that contract. And, uh, you know, when I use my automobile, uh, I, I use the passport uh, card and I have the evidence in my car along with the, the contracts that I rescinded. So, when I, you know, when I do get pulled over and I've been pulled over twice in about two years and uh, four or five months, uh, I've been pulled over twice. So I, I, you know, uh, you know, there is no arguing or anything on the side of the road. Uh, what I do is I pull out the passport card and, and I give it to, you know, the police officer and I show him the evidence and he's never seen it. OK, so he doesn't really know uh, what all that is. And I don't really care, you know. And so, you know, he'll write me a ticket, you know, for, for not having plates or a license or whatever I didn't show him. Um, but you know, there, there is no arguing and he gives me a ticket and I don't sign it and, uh, he'll give it to me and I, I don't sign it. And then I'll just send it back to the court, uh, and copy in, you know, the district attorney, you know, within 72 hours and I'll, I'll give him a copy of the passport evidence. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Very, very good. Well, that's good to well, hear. That's, good. that's it, great, Russ. I think um, you know, definitely keep us posted on on how that everything's going with you. It's uh, I, I love your stand and and the the work you've done. Um, I think it's I, I'd like to see a lot more people do the same thing, uh, so that we what will happen is is that it's it's not that this is any kind of a a pushback, if you will. But what happens is we got so we got the momentum of tradition that every that everything is the same. And that and that these people aren't educated on these nuances and differences. And the more people that make these changes and then they uh, submit this work and they let this be known, they bring this work into the light, as I usually say, then eventually people are going to say, "Oh, okay, yeah, I've seen this before. Okay, it's, it, there, there's no crime going on. There's nothing to see here." And that it's just going to be business as usual, and they're going to realize that there are those that are in that jurisdiction and there's those that are not. That's all. Not a bad thing. Just a just a jurisdictional thing. So I think it's wonderful. Hey, we need to move on. Yep. Thank you, guest twenty nine. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. Next up, uh Central Colorado. Go ahead, you've been unmuted. You've been unmuted. Central Colorado. Maybe you have your mute button on your phone. Uh-huh. You're trying. There you go. Are you there? Okay. 
Yeah. Hello. Central Colorado. Can you hear me? Yeah, now we can hear you. Okay, this is Lucky. I was um, actually calling. I have um, a question about, like, people that actually work. Do you have anything on it? Like, um, I know they have documents that using um, the Social Security is voluntarily, in which I have documents that I don't use the Social Security on application, but do you have anything, even though that you don't use it sometime, that they will actually still send you uh notice out saying that you owe taxes. Do you um, have any well, problem? well I'm just trying to well, let me first understand what it is you're saying. Yes, uh, right. Right. Oh, we're getting a lot of feedback. Oh hold on, hold on. The um Okay. You can hear me better now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fine. The um um when you're saying uh, so you're saying the Social Security Administration is or are you talking about the IRS is saying you owe social? Yeah, the IRS. Yeah, so so are um are you um an employee of a corporation? No, actually I'm a national. I'm not a citizen at all and they know it. No, no, are no, I asked you if you what do you do for work? Are you do you work for yourself or do you are you employed by a corporation? Oh yeah, employed by a corporation. Okay. So so all I'm I'm saying is that um uh the thing is is that you're the corporation is still sending in social security uh, on your behalf, or did, or is the corporation? Did you let them sell them not to send in Social Security on your behalf? What are they doing? Well, I had it removed from some of the jobs, so they wouldn't send it in. But some of the jobs just assume that you use it when you let them know that I'm filling out a WA bin, filling out an 8233, actually putting in um an EIN number, and they still actually use it to where so, they only technically taking out uh like not federal taxes, but they're still taking out, like, Social Security taxes. And that's right, not, right. Um, well, let me works. just say this. If you're if – you're, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, with respect to it, um, dealing with the IRS, first of all, if, you're an, if someone is an employee of a corporation and they're withholding, and they're withholding taxes and Social Security, among other things, it's very difficult, if not impossible, for you to take a freedom stand with respect to your economics because they're in complete control of it. They're sending in IRS. Now, with all that, IRS is going to now communicate and look for taxes that are owed, especially if you're not filing and paying. Okay? So the um, so what happens is that whether it's Social Security or whether it's uh, income tax, the IRS is going to is going to be asking for it, and if you're not going to provide it, then they're going to get that money from the corporation because the corporation is going to be delighted to give your money to the IRS. So it's so I usually will tell clients to be all in or all out or all in, but don't think that you're going to take a tax stand while other people, third parties, are going to handle your your finances. Now if now if you're not an employee, if you want to contract with a corporation. The, the idea of contracting with them is that you will be responsible for your own tax liability. In that regard, you can do um, a W-8 and a W-9, which is a certificate of foreign status. Um, you know, and then you would be exempt from uh, filing requirement because you're not a federal citizen nor a resident alien. And so that's what the W-8 is. It's a certificate of foreign status. The, the W-8-B-E-N and all that other nonsense, all of the the uh, WAs that the IRS produce is still within that jurisdiction on some level. 
So if you're mm-hmm. going to, so when we years ago when we started this, there was a general W8. We still use the general W8, and we've we've uh, and you can do your own your own documents with respect to that. And so we have a W8 and W9 that fits perfectly for uh, without that jurisdiction. So and we do that with our clients uh, have those forms. So, but if you're having a difficult time with respect to them taking Social Security Act, I'm saying you need to change how you're doing business. Now, if you okay. want to do work for yourself, that's going to be a much easier way to do that. But it's very challenging okay. to, you know, have some third party withholding for you uh, and think that you're not going to be dealing with the IRS. I think you're going to be. I think you're going to have that path is going to be very difficult. All right, I got another question because um sure. actually I do have foreign status because I'm a national and and um I'm a national of what? Of uh, Aboriginal Republic of North America tribal nation, which we don't pay taxes and they we have tribal uh nationality, we have passports, we have um all that that's showing that we are not an uh, employee that we're not ob- um liable for any obligation that dealing with taxes. That's why I fill out the W A band. So the EIN number also is foreign. So I I use that on most of the jobs to where they can't take anything out, but it's just certain companies like that you work for that you'd have worked for them before, uh, even though I got it removed from some of the jobs, but some of them still have it up in their system. Even though that you tell them that you're using the EIN number on paperwork, they still have it in a file system that they still use. Are you providing an EIN number for them? Yes. Listen, did you get an EIN number from Germany? No, actually it's on from my tribal nation, though. No, and I know, but I mean, did you get an EIN number from Ireland? No, it's from Pennsylvania. Okay, so, so if you get an EIN number from the federal government, you're going to be in their jurisdiction. You understand? Because, listen, if you if you're not if you don't have a tax liability... You then you don't need an EIN, okay? You don't need a tax number. Why why do you need it? You're gonna file? No, I don't file and I haven't filed in twelve years. Okay, so I'm saying and so why are so Because it's business. It is business is is business purpose only. Yeah, I understand. But I mean I have businesses and I don't have EIN numbers or anything like that. So I'm saying listen, here's what I'm telling you. If you have a tax number uh, a tax ID number, a TIN or an EIN, then you're going to be in that jurisdiction. Whether you're paying money or not doesn't matter because you're not you're not making a jurisdictional break. You're you're saying I'm in, but what's more important to me is that I don't want to give them money. It's not that you're saying I don't want to be in that jurisdiction. And let me tell you, the um, um, if you're subject to Title um, uh, 25. Uh, of the Federal Code of Regulations, which is under Indians, then that also will be in federal jurisdiction. You know, so, I mean, so uh, those relationships that the federal government acknowledges is still going to be subject to the Federal Code of Regulations. So, um, so I, you know, I haven't looked at your particular, you know, work that you've done, but uh, it'd be my concern that, that however you're functioning, you're, you're, you're thinking that you're going to be able to do the tax code better than the IRS. That will be folly. So you, uh, my suggestion is that be all in or all out, but don't try to do both, okay? That's my suggestion yeah. for you. Yeah, I'll that. Okay. All righty, thank you. Let's see, next up, East Virginia. Go ahead, you've been unmuted. 
How you doing? Virginia. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how you doing, man? Um, went out of town, got a UCC, uh, had a UCC filed in uh, uh, Douglas, Douglas uh, County mm-hmm. since uh, 2013. One uh, got a, a couple of promissory notes uh, stamped, notarized, turned them into bank securities. Uh, went to then went to a bank to set up a non-interest brand account. Um, make a long story short, they they told us that they don't you know they don't accept the type of trust that we uh, right. we set up. So let me can I ask you a couple of questions? Um, yes. Are yes. you a corporation? No. Okay, so why would you want to utilize the Uniform Commercial Code uh, to determine anything about your life? Well, from past friends that are uh, yeah, claiming an interest and past friends that have had a lot of remedy. Uh, I know. Following, I used to, I used to have those beliefs, and uh, the um, and and at some point I come to my you know, I came to determine that if I was going to secure my rights, it was going to be very human and organic and that I didn't need to go empower the state and by um by having a belief that that I was going to participate with the uniform commercial code not being a corporation. So yeah, I don't recommend anybody incorporate and I don't I don't recommend anybody do anything with respect to the state and empowering the state because anything that's going to be incorporating is going to have some kind of uh, either tax or regulation. So um we don't, I, you know, I used to do the UCC 1-207 and 308, and and then I realized I don't need the Uniform Commercial Code because I'm not a corporation. See, we have the Uniform Commercial Code so that we can govern corporations, and, and it's going to deal with what they have power to do or, you know, how they're going to do business with each other. But I don't need to do that. Uh, there are people who believe that when, you, when you're born that – the state created a corporation with birth certificate and all that, and you know I don't, and I'm I'm very knowledgeable of that subject matter. I've got lots of books on it. I've read them over the years. I came to the place to where I said, I recognize this as fraud. I didn't want to participate. I didn't want to receive any benefits by that, and therefore I wasn't going to have any liabilities either. So I said goodbye, and I was going to reserve my rights, and that I, I didn't need to. Um, deal with this birth certificate things because I don't need to um, I didn't want to have the obligation to prove or produce the evidence that supports that that belief system and that's what it is is a belief system it's a very strong belief system and people utilize it but I found this that belief system will erode your peace and so by not participating with all that um, you know a for V or the straw man's uh, concept I didn't have to enjoy that. I could just fulfill contracts that I have. It is that they're doing. I I know that hospitals make a thousand bucks for every social security number they set up, and that and that you know that the hospitals get money for birth certificates. It's a it is a a financial racket that they have going there. 
but I don't recognize any contract or obligation by way of that. Uh, first of all, you can't contract with children, and therefore parents can't, it's illegal to sell your children into slavery, and I don't believe that it, it produces that. Do they monetize the birth certificate? I certainly hope so, because most of these governments are broke. But I, but once again, I can recognize that, that corruption and whether they should be doing that or not. Even if they monetize it, it has nothing to do with me. I'm not a part of their uh, financial junk with banks. So that's, that's where I went with that. And so therefore, you know, I don't, I don't recognize that there's a way of having a birth certificate be uh, something else. I, you know, it's not my birth certificate. It belongs to the state. It's, it's a, a recognition of the event of my birth. I don't give it any power. And so therefore, I don't have to produce it. Because a lot of times people will go into court with, and want to employ these remedies in court. So here's the thing. When you interview these people, and I've interviewed hundreds of them, where, where they'll say, on one side of their mouth, they'll say, oh, no, I don't want to be in this court because I am not that thing that they say I am. So nobody in court is making that claim. They're the only ones making the claim. So here they're trying to defend themselves all the while they're trying to educate people that there's this thing that got them and captured them, and they're trying to get a hold of it or trying to be free from it. So they have to produce the evidence that's going to undermine everything they're doing anyway because they think that if they get a hold of that concept that somehow it's going to bring some sort of justice or that the evil people that are in these courts are somehow going to be honorable now because now you have the magical paperwork. I don't believe in that system. I gave that up 20 years ago, and I said, no, I'm just going to be me, and then everything else, all this corruption out here is going to do what it does, but it's not going to be in the light. They hide their stuff, and they don't bring it in the light. I just say, let it all come out. You know, I, don't ha I don't recognize government or corporations having superior authority over me. Corporations are nothing but tools that governments or other people put together in order to uh, uh, avoid being responsible for their conduct. And then another purpose of a corporation is so, that, is so that people can behave in a certain way and not be held liable for damage that they may do. That, all of that is not honorable. And so therefore I, I say don't do corporations. And so I don't do corporations on any level. Now, if you want to form a trust, a trust, uh, if you put it together as a contract, it's not going to have a tax liability because if your trustees are not federal citizens, they're not going to also have um, a tax liability, and the trust won't be in federal jurisdiction, seeing that there's no U.S. person associated with your trust. So a trust is, is great because uh, it's, it can be, if it's not in being produced domestically in the, in the federal zone or the District of Columbia, then it will be a foreign contractual trust. And that that's an entity that protects privacy, and it allows you to, to function in which the, you can settle property into and that the trustees can control and manage without owning that property. Now, that would be, that's a benefit, but, but, it doesn't, but, it, but the people are still responsible for their, their conduct. I don't, when you do a corporation, your business affairs, you go into business with government because government is offering privileges and immunities to these corporations and therefore they're taxed and regulated i don't want to participate with that does that make sense
Is he still there? Yep, it does. Well, I, you know, I uh, accidentally muted everybody, and then I went back to East Virginia and unmuted him, but I see now Virginia, East Virginia has their hand up. Is that you? Yes, yes, it makes sense. Is that sense. you? And that's okay, why, yeah, that's okay. why, you know, we're moving in a direction of just straight pure equity where we don't have to use statues and codes. You know, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. I don't think. I mean, you're you can just you can just be you, be true with your contracts and obligations, and and you know, and make that those kind of clarities. I don't think that those that you um, that you have to form uh, or go into business with government in order to to do your whatever it is that you're looking to do. Wonderful. So so we don't need to go uh, after any interests or in the contracts. That they created, and well, listen. If they, if you think they they created contracts, just ask them to produce them. If they produce them, then fulfill them. If you've made them, if you haven't made them, well, who gives a crap what they do? I mean, you listen. You just keep the contracts that you have knowledge of. You're not. You don't have any obligation to a contract that you have no knowledge of. I mean, where's that obligation coming from? Not anything that I have ever heard of. Yeah, just uh, once again, as I said before, is you have no obligation to fulfill any contract or agreement that's without your knowledge or against your will. That's a principle. Yeah. So, so then don't, you know, just be you. You know, be you, that's all. It's much easier also dealing with a social security number, if you will, and you being human and whatever. That's the, when, you, when you add a corporation and then the, it, it's, um, tax ID number or yen or whatever that is, now you're dealing with something that's completely controlled by government. And so therefore, you don't want to deal with it that way. That's going into that's fascism. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 9-8. Yeah, we, we, we deal with the foreign 9-8 number. Yeah, 8-9, right, right. Yeah, so that that's what I would do. I, but I would never, and here's another thing too, is if you're, if you're asking the IRS for some sort of an identifier, then you're going to be in that jurisdiction. I, that's why I ask people, you know, you know, when people are saying, well, well, I'm doing this thing, and I'm going to go over here and ask the IRS for this, uh, and, it's, and you're having a communication with them. That's an indication that you're going to be in that jurisdiction because we don't have those communications with other governments because we say, well, I'm not in Germany. I'm not in these places. I don't do business here, this, that. Well, exactly. Don't do business with the District of Columbia. You know, so that's all. Okay, that is it for you, East Virginia. No, 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 no. I I, I took my name out of the corporate fictional uh, system and put it what in to the upper, what is that? Uh, the all cap register organization name, and I what, put what it. What is that? Where is that? Where is it? Well, yeah, I, I you, just you're wanted, you're you. I if I well, have you email me over that that what you just mentioned. Um, That'll be interesting. I know it's okay. a belief system. I'm just saying is I'm inviting you out of that belief system is what I'm saying. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm, I I'm, I'm just saying is that, see, you're alleging something. I had a teacher, that, that man who was a hard guy. He, I'd, I'd say something and he'd say, okay, produce that. If you're alleging something, you produce the evidence. And I was like, then I had to start to say to myself, okay, well, I, I would start to say this. Well, here's what I'm making up about it. Because I didn't have any evidence, you know. I mean, I believe in Jesus Christ that that God raised him from the dead and all these things. I'm telling you, that's a faith-based. I have no evidence for you. That is a faith-based belief system. And so this straw man 
that 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 capital letters on on papers has authority over me or even means something to me is 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 a is a losing power. I don't give I don't give anybody authority because they decide to make a certain kind of font about my name. Where's that power given up? I don't I don't play that game. And so I don't recognize that. And then someone says, well, well, you know, this is the way corporations are. It's all capitals and here's, well, I don't care. Corporations, okay. I, listen, my, I have clients in which I've capitalized letters in, my, in ours for clarity. I don't, it doesn't mean anything to me. Because, look, if I sat down with John Adams or Thomas Jefferson and said, like, and he's like, well, your government was pretty tyrannical. It's like, well, how did they get you? Well, my parents filed some papers with the state, and we got this piece of paper here. And Jefferson looks at it and says, oh, I said, well, well, look at it, Jefferson. It's got all capital letters. And he's like, I, I'm missing the point. What? I don't get it. Well, you know, you know, it's not like you're holding, being held by guns or by chains. You are being held by a font. Ooh. It, that's where people are at. And what happens is they give up their peace. And I'm saying, like, we got to pull out of that. Just because corporations conduct themselves in a certain way doesn't mean that you have to or that you should. Just be, just be you. I mean, you can write my name in red, blue. But someone says, like, you know, they say, like, well, listen, I wrote my name in blue ink. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Well, you can't do it this. I'll do it in blue ink. I'm just like, let me tell you something. You stand behind before God and you say, I gave my word here, but it wasn't in blue. Do you think the creator is going to say, hmm, colors, how I determine whether you're going to keep your word or not? I don't think so. You can write your name in blood. You can write it in pink, green, yellow. I don't give color of ink authority. As long as you can read it, I can give my will and intent. I don't care. Next week they pass a law and say, we're only accepting blue. Really? That doesn't mean anything. It's just I get it. are foolish. So I just I just want to invite you out of uh, if you can produce the documents you're talking about about the belief system, you can produce them. Then then you may have something. And then my suggestion then would be find out who's harming you, and bring them up on rights violations. But usually when people, it's the belief system that's harming people, and they say, well, they, they did this, and they did that. And it's like, who are you talking about? Well, the government. No, who, not what. And then you can deal with people if someone is actually violating you. But governments don't violate you because the government is an invisible idea. People violate you. So that's, that's why this whole corporate thing is all based in irresponsibility. And we want to be far from that. So that's why I say freedom comes by being responsible. So take on full responsibility for you. You'll be happier, I promise. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to move on. Let's see here. California, you've been unmuted. Go ahead. Go ahead, California. You've been unmuted. If you have a mute button on your phone, try to unmute I it. I wasn't near my phone. There you go. Hi, Hello. Dallas. How are you, Angela? Hello Fine, there. Thank you. Hi, Christopher. Nice to hear your voice. Yeah, actually, I got on about a half hour late, so I have to listen and catch up to here because I heard you guys mm-hmm. talking about passports. 
Right, right. And that was, you know, so I wanted to listen and kind of hear what your subject matter was. So I have a good good idea. I kind of went on the Internet, saw a few things you had on about you on the Internet. So I have a good idea of, after listening, what you do and how you do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's very unique and interesting. Um, and uh, and because I'm right now looking at getting a passport again. I had one mm-hmm. in the past, got it back in 94, 1994, had it, had it renewed it once. Sure. Uh, and I heard you guys talking about Social Security numbers and stuff, but uh, I had my passport all that time for all those years and never, ever had a, pa- a Social Security number associated with it, never to give them one. If, you, though- did an expl- if you did a FOIA on your passport application, um, my guess is that um, they wrote it on the bottom of your application. In no, their I, 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 I was down at 1000 Bosher in mm-hmm. Westwood, California. I was going to Europe. I was taking my mom to Rome, Italy, and we had to get passports. Yeah. And I had my code books with me because I, I had just started a few years before that studying the Internal Revenue Code. Right. And, uh, and there was a table outside the building, and they, the woman was there. There was a big line behind us, and so we were in a rush expedited because we were leaving real soon. And she said, oh, you didn't complete your application. I said, yes, I did. She goes, no, you have to fill in your social security number. I said, what law requires me to do that? She said, well, it's the Internal Revenue Code. I said, well, then I slammed the book in front of us. My book said, show it to me. Everybody looked at my mom's rolling her eyes like, oh, boy, here he goes again. And um, and uh, so she looked at me, looked at the line and said, well, take it upstairs and they'll, they'll handle it up there. I went upstairs and they never asked me for it. Right. And when I renewed it uh, on the application, didn't ask me because I, I actually called the Secretary of State's office in Washington, D.C., yeah. And I asked them, am I required to give a Social Security number? She said, no, that's not a requirement for the Department of State. She said, that's the IRS. We have nothing to do with them. She said, but, you know, if they come after you for some reason, then, uh, you know, that's not us. That's just them. But you don't have to put that in. And uh, But they never never associated me with that password because I never had a, a Social Security number associated with it. Right. And uh, so I had, but I never renewed it. Because I learned better because of what you're saying. I checked off U.S. citizen, and I didn't know better back then. I didn't know much. And so I never, ever renewed it because of that. Well, uh, actually, but, there's no there's nowhere on the application where we check off being a U.S. citizen. We check off being a U.S. citizen for our parents, our wife, uh, in those regards. But the um, um, it's the oath that they take that you swear under penalty of perjury that you are a citizen of the United States. Um, Oh, I remember that thing that was going to come back to me. Uh, this is a good point to bring it up. Uh, there are a lot of people who believe that if you're not going to be a U.S. citizen on your application, that you're going to be a non-citizen national. And that's not the non-citizen national. And we we cover this in the class. The State Department determines a non-citizen national by uh, if you were born in America, Samoa, or Swains Island, then you would be a non-citizen national. So some people think that that's the only choices is when the when the government gives you this choice and that choice those are the only choices when it's not they're you know like you said you know being your uh, citizen of your state or whatever um the difficulty is if if you signed did you have an explanatory statement with your application when you first did it or no no i just told the show it to me in the code book where it says i'm required to do it right so so That's not providing well, well, well here's right so here's the thing is with your your previous passport is that you signed the oath that you're a us citizen and we know the State Department defines by 14th. And that's why we would change, if you did your passport process, you'd want to let them know that the previous application had errors. 
concerning your proper citizenship, and therefore you're correcting these errors now with you know with your new application, um, as opposed to being a renewal. And, and like you're saying, sending in the old ones, right? I was. And it's it's a gesture of sending the old ones back. They punch holes through them and then send them back to you. So they defile them, if you will. And uh, and so that's that's part of you know separating, breaking that chain, uh, that that line is to just um, uh, say that look, this application had it. I want a new passport based upon new application. And so that's what we do. We do new new application. Then ten years later, you can do your renewal. And you'll have an explanatory statement with that because all these systems and the DS-11 is for the federal citizen. So, you know, we're using a federal citizen's form. And then we also have a federal citizen's or, you know, we both know that, that the State Department issues a passport. The passport doesn't determine your citizenship. You do. If it was the passport determining citizenship, then the State Department would make the determination and tell you what kind of citizen you are. But that's not what's occurring. They ask you, and they ask what your parents are. They ask you where you live. And then when you do your explanatory statement, you're telling them under penalty of, per, per, under penalty of perjury what is, remember, true and correct. See? No, you, you, so, you mentioned about a non-citizen national. Is yeah, non-citizen national is, is, for, um, is for American Samoa and Samoa right. Island. Right. I remember yeah. reading that. Um, yeah, it's so, not what people think it is. They no, usually, and then you know the people, and, and people make up a lot of things. Another thing that people make up is is that they um, the stars on the passport cards. Okay, I should let, I should handle that. Okay, so people say like, yeah, well, you know, um, you know, if you get number four, or number five stars or whatever. Here's what I know. Okay, so every time we had a question about the State Department, we would we would enter the question in with our FOIA for any particular client. And we would keep asking the question until the State Department would answer a particular question. And that's how we've gotten a lot of our information over the years. So uh, what people think is, well, there's, um, people think that it, that it means something that, you know, that they're, they're saying, they're, they're making up that it's a ranking system for some reason. Okay. And it may be that. But here's what the State Department said. It said the stars, first of all, they say they're not going to disclose um, uh, the meaning of the difference between the one, two, three, four, five stars because it's security related. That's that's what they we have that in writing, and so and they're and they're not saying what. Now I polled my clients and asked them how many stars were on their cards. Now what I have with all my clients, we've done all the paperwork the same. We have clients with one, two, three, four, and five stars. I had three. Yeah, I, I, so I don't I don't have a passport. My mom and dad didn't have any. Yeah, so. So once again, the stars aren't meaning that we're making these distinctions and someone's out to look for a particular star. So you know that's um, uh, you know that's that's where um, that's where we are. That's what we know. Everything else was makeup. Then then somebody uh, said, well, there's a letter P on your passport, and it means peon. And I was like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. So I wrote to, you know, with a FOIA, right to the State Department, what does the letter P stand for on the passport? They said it stands for the type of document is passport. P stands for passport. Now, if the federal government's lying in a FOIA request, then we'll have the federal government's lie. Yeah. And they but rather than make up what it means and say that you're a lesser citizen because it's peon, that's not going to be based on any kind of uh, evidence. 
But I can show you in writing that the State Department says the P stands for passport. Now, a question oh. that I have, uh, one of my questions was regarding the DS-11 that you'd have to fill out. I know that in California, I don't know about the other states, I'm sure it's there as well too, but uh, in collecting the Social Security number on the California application for a driver license, on the back they tell you why they're asking for the Social Security number, and it's actually Title 42 of the United States Code, which is a farce because I, I know what that means. But uh, on the DS-11, it states, oh, this is why you know we ask for a Social Security number. It says so the IRS can see if you owe any money and any any uh, you know tax debts or whatever like that, and see if uh, we really want to issue a passport. But they don't give any any authorities in the U.S. codes or anything else like that. Did well, they, they do. ever issue any? They they do uh, offer authority. There's two authorities that they offer. First one is Section 6039E, and and that uh, was in the old passport, but it's not on the new one. Oh, it's still on the new one as well. Yeah, the um, it is still on there. And uh, and when you look up that code, we provide that code as part of our explanatory statement. The words Social Security aren't in that code, so it doesn't have, give them that authority to ask for social. What it says in that code is uh, a TIN, a tax ID number, if any. So a TIN is, is one who does a trade or business within the United States. And so based upon... Uh, Title 267701, the TIN is uh, the functions of the public of a, a performance of a public, public office. Performance of a public office. So, yeah. so we let them know all that 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 authority is not applicable. Then they cite also the United States Code 227414A, which is the um, is they say in certain in certain cases of unpaid taxes. This is a new code that came out in 2015 that they just started enforcing in the fall. So we let them know that that's a misapplication of that statute because it's, this statute is very specific on taxes that are owed or due. Now, what we know is this, we've had no evidence from the State Department. Well, first of all, um, the State Department in all of our uh, processes, uh, you know, I have had a number of clients that have had communication with IRS uh, uh, everybody that owes, if you will, from you know a couple thousand dollars up to over a million dollars. Okay, nobody has not gotten passports because of communications that they have with IRS. So this idea where people are out there saying that if you owe fifty thousand dollars, then you're not going to get a passport. That's not true. Okay, they could, they they might be able to withhold it if they're getting communication from the IRS. I I'm not seeing any communication from the IRS in any of these procedures. Okay. Okay. Great. So, okay. Thank you. That, that was that was mainly my questions I wanted to ask. Sure. Sure. Well, it's a good question. Thank okay, you. Thank you very much, Christopher. Thank you. All right. Take call. care. Yeah. Call call me if you need anything. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Dallas. Okay. Next up is <clears throat> Cleveland. You've been unmuted. Hey, I hear you. Yeah, hi. Hi. Uh, uh, this is uh, uh, Justice Roberts here from the Supreme Court. I'd like to speak to that young whippersnapper who was discussing this. That's <laughs> my name is from the grave. No, <laughs> so. no I, I'm a client of uh, this guy, and he's really smart. He's nice. He's friendly. And he does a wonderful job on preparing that uh documentation you need for the passport and um it's quite an amazing journey i've been on with all this stuff and uh, uh 
he's also funny and he's friendly and he's particular and he has a very lovely wife. <laughs> and <laughs> unfortunately, I've happened to uh, accidentally call and bother. You know, uh, I, I try not to call people at home, but this is Steve Toast there, uh, Chris, and uh, yes, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Got to tell you, he's a wonderful guy and. Um, Sometimes hard to communicate with. I mean, we have our own. I, let's see. I have my degrees of what I call interferences in this life, and uh, uh, what we're all going through at this time. And I, you know, the thing about Chris, I have to tell you, is that you enter this thing, and, and, and I've, I've taken this on. You, you enter it with with the with your heart and your soul, and, and you use it for the right purpose. And I think that uh, you don't use any of this information or what this passport will do for anything that is not the good intentions for all. And Chris really um, um, brings forth that, well, he call, he refers to the light. And Chris is, Chris is full of the light, and I appreciate that. And I, I didn't even know about this particular, I don't I don't even know, this is the first time on Talk Show that, ma'am, I don't even know your name, that hosts this. Uh, Angela but, Starr. Uh, Angela. Uh, pardon me? Yeah, this Angela. is Angela. Uh, Angela. Okay, I, I, uh, what's, I, it's interesting about this show, and it's nice for you to have Chris on there. Um, I'll have to look on Talk to you and see where you're from because I've never heard of you before, and I'm kind of a computer junkie on some of these okay. talks. And, yeah, uh, I try I, to stay kind of private. So Yeah, that's good. I don't advertise much. <laughs> I don't advertise at all except uh, when we send out an email to our, you know, people that want to hear the call, so. Well, okay, so uh, that's good. I'm glad I'm not well-known. Well, well, no, that's, <laughs> but, you know, when you have good guests on there, like Chris, yeah. you know, people, you know, really, it's fascinating that there's a guy, you know, I got to hand, hand it to this guy. He's trying to help enlighten people and to bring them forward and to really begin to appreciate who and what they are, because I, I don't know, I went through a, uh, five years ago, I started to get into things, and I, I really became very sad for this country. And it, it, it's, I cried, mm-hmm. and I just tried to do my part and anything I could do for my part to bring this country to its senses again. I, I'll do it, and I think Chris is part of that process in a certain way. And I uh, just wish to uh, just want to wish him luck, could continue with luck with it. And uh, he's a delight. Right. He needs. He's a delight to work with, I guess. That's all I got to say. So, Chris. Well, thanks for calling. You guys appreciate that. That's nice. Uh, well, it's Thank true. And, um, I, I, you know, this is really weird. I, I just got onto my email, and I came across what you sent out, and I got, whoa. And I, you know, just I went in and dialed in, and I just wanted to say, say that to let people know that uh, you do good work. You know what you're doing. Uh, and... Um, uh, I think you're helping people, helping people free themselves, and I think that's good. Well, cool. It's a learning experience. You know, we we get around another corner, or even if we're up against something, and and we've we've had, you know, I I we just had a client that um, it was almost a year, uh, you know, that they held up their the uh, the passport process. It was going somewhere else, and they're saying she was concerned that it was beyond the 90 days. I said, no, no. You've had correspondence before that, so every time you correspond, it pushes out the 90 days. They're the ones delaying it, so we stay on it. We've had, we've con- like I said before, you know, we got get in touch with 
We utilize congressmen and senators all the time. When you know that they're that you're the constituent and they're the the rep, use them as much as you can. You can get data, information, you know, documents, whatever. Uh, they have uh, liaisons between the legislature and the uh, the State Department. So it's it's when you when you know that their offices are available, and I can't say that every congressman's office is helpful, but um, but when you get someone who's who's you know, has a respectful uh, mind about the constituent, there it's really a benefit, and it feels really good. So, you know, sometimes you can get a, a congressman to do what you couldn't get your attorney to do, which is great. So, well, and you've so been and, able. To, and thanks so much for that, Steve. Appreciate that. And you've been able to reach into the State Department. That really gives you a, a heads up on that in the process. So, well, listen, take care. And all right, well, thanks. Uh, I'd like to show, ma'am, and I hope to listen to some of your stuff again. Right. Thank that's you very sure. much. You know, yeah, we just celebrated eight years of doing this in June. Oh, my word, that's great. So there's a lot of calls on the, the talk sheet page that you can go oh, through, great. and pretty much all of them have a name of their guest speaker. Uh-huh. So, yeah, they're very important. You know, the whole idea is to learn from each other. You're that's right. That's why right. we just... You do a good job of it, too. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that very much. Well, listen, take care, everybody. I'll let you right, go. Well, take care. And, uh, Thanks. Um, have a good evening. And, okay. Uh, we'll get up early and restful tomorrow, okay? Yeah, yeah. Got lots to do. Bye-bye. Very good. Okay. Thank so, uh, you. Angela, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do about another 10 minutes here, huh? Okay. We've got four people in line, but... Uh, are you sure? I mean, are you able oh, to Oh, yeah. Well, or? we're over two hours and 40 minutes. Now, i got to get going here pretty soon also, so... Okay. Let's see well, what let, 10 more we'll, minutes will do. And let people can call me at the office or leave a message or even email me, and I'll I'll talk with them, you know, personally if they'd like. So uh, that's uh, that's always available for, for anybody to. If they want to call me at 603-671-7013, I'll be glad to talk with them if we don't get their call in tonight. So, um, yeah, so, uh, okay, so if anyone else has a question or, you know, whatever you think, and Angela. And I was just going to type your phone number into the chat, but uh, we can go for 10 more minutes. Sure, yeah, let's do it. Uh, Okay, next up is California. Go ahead, California. You have a question? You have a mute button. There you go. It's a pleasure. Angela, your show is awesome. Can you hear me? Yes, now we can. Thank you so much. Yes, I love it. And uh, the guest, you know, I kind of tuned in a little late. But, uh, yeah, I did uh, DS-11 just not too long ago and uh, followed some, uh, you know, some, I think they're pretty good instructions. However, I sent them, you know, some information uh, as far as some documents that I had as far as statement at, you know, non-citizen national, et cetera, and so forth. But, of course, they disregarded that, and they just wanted the Social Security number. Right. and which I didn't give that up. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, aren't they supposed to give you the 90 days before they just disregard the whole process? Yeah, if you usually when when mm-hmm. um, if you're doing the process and they don't just send out the passport, if they're looking for mm-hmm. more information at all, they'll send out a letter. Usually, the mm-hmm. letters will have uh, a 90 day window uh, for mm-hmm. you to respond. And then at that point, it's the money's non-refundable, and um, mm-hmm. that's it. But um, if you respond uh-huh. in writing, 
uh, it'll push out, mm-hmm. and then you can um, um, even I have seen it where a client has a, a referral number, and if they mm-hmm. close the case out with that referral number, they they can open it back up and give a new referral number. That's that that number isn't like you're locked into anything. Remember, uh-huh. you're always you are the boss. Their rules. I mean, they got rules, but you're not. You know, you're not bound by those rules. They are, mm-hmm. and so I get that they have rules. But you know, if 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 you haven't been you know sloppy or whatever, and you've responded, mm-hmm. they haven't responded. Just, you know, that mm-hmm. time frame isn't going to pertain to you. You can always mm-hmm. say, no, I'm I'm um, you know, this is where it's at or whatever. So, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I would just stay on that a good time frame. You know, make sure that you respond before that's up and yeah, and deal yeah, with they had. What I found is that they, before I sent in some more documents, they already had sent back my renewal passport before the 90 days. And, you know, and it was, I found it kind of strange. But, you know, I was so busy, I didn't get, I did not follow up and say, hey, why'd you send my passport back? And we didn't finish the process. And you didn't give me an explanation for not finishing the process. So, you know, but I just, I just been so busy with stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, so kind of screwed me up. So I, I'm happy that you gave out the number. So hopefully uh, I will I'll get in contact with you hopefully in a week. When you pick up the phone, I'll be praying on it. And um, I appreciate all that you're doing for the people. And okay. Angela, if it's, if it's nice, if it's okay with you, um, is it possible? I'm trying to get the, the doc uh, email. Oh, oh yeah, send me an email. No, yeah, he's talking I, about the doc uh, is somebody talk- else. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I sent you, I sent you an email, Angela. Um, I don't know, a couple of days ago, two or three days ago. Uh, what does it I don't start know. I know with? You're buried. What, uh, yeah. Underground. What is, what is it? Underground. Underground. I'll look for it. Yeah. And, I'll look for oh, it. I, if you can get me that, it'd be so awesome. I get that donation in real quick and uh, move forward because oh, uh, you. <laughs> you always do good things. Anything. You always do good work. Well, thank you so much. I'm looking here. Indeed. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, underground. Underground at gmail dot com. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't see it here. U N E R. I go yeah. right from Umar, Umesh, Unis, Unix stock. There's oh, nothing here. Under- oh, you know, let me look. No. Nope. Let me look. Let me check my junk mm-hmm. mail real quick. Oh um, no! You got I mean, you got me in junk mail. <laughs> well, if I, you know, sometimes I know, that I happens. I know, I know, I know. You know what? I don't. I, know, I'm just, I don't see I'm it here. It. Did you send it to the right address? I I sent it. I got it off the website, and uh, on the donation. I know you always say go to the donation okay. area, and you can get the website from there. Oh oh um, oh! Well, then it would come to the homestead where the uh, my my um, hosting service. Okay, uh, I know what to look for now. Okay. I'll look yeah, for it. Underground. And then I'll send and, it uh, to you. Oh, please do. I, I got some. I got to get a hold of him. Anyhow, I won't hold the line up. And uh, Angela, you're phenomenal. Your guests are phenomenal. Have a blessed night. Stay at peace. Thank you all so good. much. So much. Thank you. Indeed. You too. Have a good night. Indeed. Right, you well. too. All righty. Next up is Great Gazoo. Go ahead, Great Gazoo. Hello. 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 All right. Hey, uh, uh, Chris, it's, it's great to hear you. And uh, Angela, thanks for having this guy on. I seen him uh, a couple months ago on YouTube and, and thought it was a pretty good interview. Cool. Um, 
Uh, I just wanted to say, say uh, get you to talk a little bit about the Expatriation Act. Like, if the government is uh, demanding, you know, we have evidence that you're a U.S. citizen and it was this form, it was that, and your declaration and all this crap, and you can just say, well, you know, it wasn't my intent, and I, and I revoked that and rescind and reject all uh, presumption of citizenship and revoke that and and uh, expatriate because, you know, isn't it that we encourage everybody who comes here to renounce their citizenship to the king and queen and, and, and pope and whoever government formed people that they have allegiances to to come here and take their oath of allegiance over here and pledge allegiance to us and all this stuff. And then, you know, there's this kind of implication that it's a permanent thing. Like we have to be permanent citizens and residents and all this stuff. So, I mean, is that an avenue for some people that may have like a green card or, or, uh, I don't know if I understand your question. Are you asking me about what is the, what is or isn't the value of expatriating or, or are you talking about, um, um, uh, a withdrawal of election. What are you, are you referring to the to actually expatriating? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. If they think you're a federal citizen, isn't it an avenue to just immediately stand up? Well, and... the the thing is, is the implication of the expatriating is is it is about federal citizenship, and for some, it's like buying your freedom. Okay, because there'll be taxes that, and there's a cost to that, and so you can buy your freedom from being this federal citizen, sure. But what happens is, is that then typically people, they what they have a belief is they're not dealing with what, they're, what they have birthright to. And so they think that they now they have to leave the country and now they're going to conduct their affairs like they're a tourist and that they're a citizen or a participant or you know dwelling in another place, okay? And some people do that process because they don't want to, you know, they, they can't stand this government and they don't want to uh, be subject to IRS anymore. And that is, you can do that. But but then again, most of these people um, take on the status of being a tourist and things like that, and they don't recognize that these that they're, they have something that can be, that's inseparable with respect to their, um, um, the state that they were, you know, certainly that they were born in. Um, citizenship is based upon habitation and domicile. In the States, they'll make reference to the, the term residency, and they usually deal with a certain amount of time. But the reality is is that um, voting and jury duty, those are things that are um, associated with habitation and domicile. You can't be a resident in two places. They're, they usually are going to determine habitation and domicile based upon how long you reside or, or you know, a residency. But you can have residencies all over the world, and then you would establish only one habitation and domicile that you would, as as it's defined in New Hampshire, and, and I think it's other states are defined the same way, is it's that place that you would return to. So um, and so that's how that's how courts have established the term habitation domicile. So I don't um, I don't it's not necessary to expatriate with respect to uh, pulling out of the federal zone. You don't have to make that, you don't have to pay that. And you can pull out without um, without um, being a, a federal citizen. Now, here's, here's the th- problem I have with expatriating is I've never been a federal citizen. So therefore, it's not necessary for me to expatriate. 
and and whatever it is that they I may have been practicing as a federal citizen, I've never known it to make it as a choice, and so therefore I've just I just conclude that my government has violated me uh, because they had information that they weren't disclosing to me. And so, therefore, I made these agreements, if you will, uh, you know, loose agreements and practiced that as a tradition, not because um, I had proper information. So that's always been my um, um, my position with respect to that. So, no, um, I have um, uh, people uh, that are in other countries that have expatriated, and they'd like to restore that. And so, um, now, um, I have not had a client in which we've restored that, but I don't see that, that's, that that can't be a remedy because I believe that they have a birthright, and I don't believe they give that up. So, I mean, what you have right to is unalienable. Yeah. Okay? So if it's unalienable, you, you can waive it, but you can't get rid of it. You don't have the um, the ability to get rid of what is unalienable, okay? The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance, okay? So, yeah, so if you have, um, so I don't know if that answers your question or not. Is, uh, yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, okay. I think that was a great answer. Okay. Well, that's what I would, that's what I would recommend. I don't think it's necessary because also to expatriate, I would have to be agreeing that I'm a federal citizen. And I can't make that because it's not true for me. Maybe that's true right. for some, but I'm, yeah. I've never been a federal citizen. I, I was, was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, right? So. We did just have uh, Paul Hansen on the call a couple weeks ago. I think he was on here twice. Yeah. And his deal with, like, the driver's license and passport and all this stuff, that even if they say that you check the box, the next question should be, well, is that path to citizenship? The, the answer is no. So by even by checking the box by mistake or by accident, because we are brought up to believe that this is how we get our rights is by being a citizen. Right. It still doesn't make you one. And like people in Texas and stuff need to be raising the argument that well, these illegal aliens are grabbing all over the place. Sanctuary cities everywhere. Sanctuary states are popping up all over the place. How come these uh, you know foreigners get to come around, drive around here without license plate licenses, drinking, driving, speeding, running people over, and they just get well, I mean, it's like um, you know, um, um, you know, my wife uh, has a uh, Dutch driver's license. You know, it's been stopped, and she's not in that jurisdiction. You know, so she's not. They don't ticket her because she's not in that jurisdiction. It's pretty simple. So just because cool. someone's here, there's a lot of tourists here, and they drive. It's not a problem. So you know, we clearly see that there are people who who travel and drive in cars without having driver's license. That's a reality. The cops know that because there's plenty of people here. So, but the idea is that they're, they're looking for something else. That's some of the indication. And I think yeah, people have to pull out of those systems. It's definitely about money. I get that. But the idea of a contract, it wants you, if you fail to produce evidence of a contract is equal to full estoppel. Like if you, I was walking around without any idea or anything on me. And I didn't have any of it. Well, you don't have to have even ID in in in, uh, um, in America because you, because you have a right to remain silent. Um, you don't have to provide any information to government. Of course, they don't have to give you anything. But the idea is that, that we're not compelled to get ID because if, they, if you don't provide them information, they can't give you ID. So consequently, they can't compel it. You can remain silent. You see, that's uh, if government wants to give ID, they don't need you. 
If they can compel ID, then they'll just issue it without yeah. you. Now, yeah. that's the way you do it if it's compelled. It just shows up at the door, and you didn't have to sign anything. The government is identifying you. Yeah. But see, even in these things, you identify yourself still. So once again, if you don't want to participate, I will ne- – listen, I already have a passport. I will never have my a driver's license be a federal license. I will drive – I will not have one. And I, I, I'll take it all the way to the court. I'm, I don't need to federalize what my state is doing. This is my country, and I'll get my reps to interrupt that. So, you know um, – I'm just not going to participate. I have a federal a federal passport. I don't need to federalize uh, my yeah, driver's and, license. And that ought to be your travel document. I mean, it ought to work. Well, listen, I would oh, love – now, Now, I would agree with that because because on some level, then here's the, here's the great thing. Because I, I just soon give up my, my federal ID. I just soon – I want my state to do um, – to do my uh, travel document, which is the way the Europe sta- European states do it. Their states issue their travel documents. We can too. And I'm working on that in New Hampshire, where I want, my, I want New Hampshire to issue me a worldwide travel document. Then I can, ta- I can send this federal one back to the federal government and say, this will be your, for your federal citizens. I'm not one of yours. Well, what is your federal document that you're talking about? You have a... a, a- a driver's license, or no, no. Well, you know they do the real ID thing with the uh, driver's yeah, license. New Hampshire doesn't have that. Um, they're trying to push. push so yeah, they're trying oh. to federalize that. And this is what you know. This is what uh, Russ was saying earlier about that. He recognized in Texas that that the for the state of Texas, they you know the federal government's you know by way of money and other things, you know they've they've polluted that um, you know that uh, aspect of the state, and so. He says, I'm not interested in participating in that. And many of us have to do that is pull back. Just be careful not to just quickly say, oh, I'm not a United States citizen, um, you, know, be, you know, without knowing what the, where the state is. It's important to have the state say they're in or they're out or what it is. You want ev- evidence of that. Don't just assume that the state is, is referring to the term United States as the District of Columbia. Let that let them produce that. Then you can answer the question. Okay, no, I'm not that, or I'm not. Like I said, I am not a United States citizen, and I am a United States citizen. Both those are true. Depends on that definition of that term, United States. So, do you have a driver's license? I do. I, I have a New Hampshire driver's license. I do. Okay. And and I, like I said, I did an explanatory statement with that, um, because I answered that question in the affirmative, and I define the term as the states united under and by the Constitution and not uh, the federal government. So, But like you I said, the, the, the yeah. Department of – I qualified it right. The Department of Transportation, just the director, just sent a letter um, that I have in which she defined it by the District of Columbia. So now when I do – when the next time I go in, um, I'm going to answer that question as no. And then I'll show them my passport and let them, you know, spin around in circles trying to figure out what the hell that means. <laughs> so, you know, I'll say, well, look, I'm, this is they're defining it by the District of Columbia. I have to answer that question is no. So, and I have my certified documents, so I'll show them that. What's that? 
Well, I was just saying good night to Great Kazoo. Yes, thank you. Signing. You're welcome. I think we're I think we're good for the evening. Okay, is that there will the, okay. Well, I'm sorry, oh, we have, you guys. A couple more. Or we have a lot There's more. There's a couple you... more. You know, in central, um, this oh, northeast and north central. One more. One more. <laughs> okay, one more call. We're good. <laughs> okay, go ahead, northeast and north central Pennsylvania. Yes, uh, thank you, Angela. Uh, Christopher, I made a couple questions that well, people were uh, that I have here that I thought might be beneficial. Uh, it's, but I just wanted to discuss the one thing you're talking about now before we get uh, in my other questions. The my understanding is, and tell me if you understand it this way, that the uh, when as soon as you get a driving permit or a driver license, you are seen by the state that you applied for as operating an agency and be an agent or actually an employee of that state buy the driver license, and what the other gentleman was saying to God, uh, uh, was on the other uh, other day, John uh, Paul John Hansen, he says that under the, uh, this is very important to make a note of this, that's under Article 1 of the United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause, uh, uh, Paragraph 17, I believe, he said that tells you where the laws, all the laws of the states which are the United States, are applicable, all the codes, statutes, everything. And that is under territorial jurisdiction. And he said that if you're stopped, and whatever the spot was that you were stopped, if they do not have uh, the evidence on the file, in the court file, that that land was ceded over to the United States, like a post office, military base, port, Doc, that land does not have; they do not have jurisdiction over that. Uh, over that, and their laws are not applicable because all their laws are United States laws. So, in other words, if you have a driver license, you are a U.S. citizen. I, you know, I, I, I couldn't disagree with you more. I mean, I, I mean, there's things I disagree. I agree with you what you're saying, but that's what no, that's no, what, I mean, that's what that, you know. You, listen, listen. Every state is not the same, okay? Oh, I, I know you. the federal government is, but but I'm, let me tell you, I've had clients ask. There's every state is they are a different country. They have different legislature and all, and all their statutes are not the same. They're, well, let me clarify they're that. They're not congruent. Let me clarify. So, now, so that's not the statutes. You, my understanding is, you have to write to the secretary of state. And revoke your uh, uh, imp- your status as Im- I- I- being employed as an agency. You're an agent. There's no, you you have no. I mean, listen. If what you're saying is true, then contact mm-hmm. the state and have, have them produce that. I, there's no such thing as that. Listen, I know the guys at the State Department in my state. I've talked to them. They don't have that belief that you have. They're, they're, everybody's not the same, and every state is not the same. I'm just saying there's different people in it because Dave Scanlon, who's the deputy secretary, he's not a federal guy. The attorney general in my state, he well, was you saying – You might have a good state. You might have a good state. But I, I know. I'm just saying, I'm, like, all I'm saying like, is that it's not, it's not the same everywhere. And no, it's not – and I agree with you about if it isn't in 
you know, the 10 square miles of D.C. I, I get that, that point. I think that's a great point. But the idea is that you're dealing with a state worker, i.e. the cop or, you know, the municipality. He's the one that's interrupting and has stopped your car. It ain't a federal agent. And so no, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. They are all United States agents. They are Listen, all United I, States because all the – if you are either a city, county, or state, that is – equal to the United States or Washington, D.C., because they are all federal territories. But this guy, other guy said, uh, John Paul Hansen said, unless they have ceded, they have proof that the state officer has proof that they ceded the land over. Yeah, I don't, are you there? Are you there? Oh, sorry. I was muted. I muted him because it was okay. getting too loud and argumentative. Oh, no, I was just going to say, see, no, I, I mean, I, I'll I unmute him, but go oh, ahead. Oh, no, it's okay. I mean, I'm a, we, we do whatever you like, but I mean, uh, but no, I was just going to say the um, the idea of that is that, you know, people have beliefs about these things without evidence, and I agree with him with respect to this jurisdictional idea, but to but to say that you know, like the cop on the street. You see, people will say this about attorneys. They'll say, oh, they're all members of the bar, and they've sworn this oath, and that's all BS, because I have friends that are attorneys. They don't do that stuff and make these... They don't give a crap about the queen or any of this stuff. This is the part of the belief system that nobody challenges and that everybody's not the same. And so there are, you know, whenever there's dollars coming from the federal government out into the states, into the counties and towns then the federal government has access into these places by way of handing out money and and they do and so the the um and so yeah yeah on that in that regard but not that we've ceded the land or the state to the federal government you know and even if with respect to banking and money if there's you know uh, you know these obligations that are being imposed upon the states and all all those things you know there there's a certain level of agreement that's made there but the people don't think of these things that way, and nor do all legislators think of their state that way. I mean, I, uh, there's a lot of freedom-minded legislators in the state. They don't share those sentiments about that the federal government has ultimate control over everything. There are people who believe that, but there's no evidence to support it, in which even if they were to come up with an idea of it, it doesn't mean that other people are in agreement with it and that it's going to be binding. They're, you know, uh, these these jurisdictions are always being challenged by a number of different places. And usually you'll see the federal government is in a state because they've handed out money. And, and, and then there's going to be regulations associated. We see that in the schools. We see that with EPA. We see that with, uh, um, uh, you know, certainly IRS. We see that with, with Bureau, you know, um, agriculture, all kinds of things. The federal government has their fingers in because they're handing out dollars, and these dollars show up in the state, and therefore the federal government has their way. Um, so, um, but I, but I don't believe because I I know a number of cops. Not all cops, uh, like like for example, they're saying like if you've a, here's this here's a statement that the caller made. If you get your driver's license, then you're an employee of the state. There's no evidence of that. I'm not an employee of any state. There's nothing in there that I've ever read associated with the license. I've read the statutes associated. It, it's not. I they he may feel that I'm 
that I'm conducting myself as an employee of the state, but I'm not an employee of the state. There are employees of the state, but I'm not one of them. So it's it's a disingenuous statement to to make, and I think it just makes a large blanket, and it doesn't really um, it doesn't bring something to the table of saying, okay, here's how we can do it and push out this jurisdiction. I, I don't, and so unless I misunderstood his, his point, I I don't believe that. Um, because I have a license that I'm a, that I'm an employee of the state. Does it mean that they, you know, that I am abiding by the rules of the of that the driver's license statutes and all? Sure, I get that. And and there's consequences if uh, if uh, if I violate that. Now I'd like to eliminate it, but I but I also recognize that it's something that I put up with. And you know, and and I'd like to eliminate it, but I don't have anything better. Nor do I want to take my time to deal with that. I would love to pull it out like the way they did in um, um, New Zealand when the prime minister uh, asked the Department of Transportation to justify itself. They couldn't do it or wouldn't do it, and then he just eliminated the whole department. That would be cool. <laughs> so, you know, but that would be an act of legislature uh, or uh, the executive branch of the uh, uh, an administrative uh, uh, change with respect to the executive branch. Uh, of a government so does that make sense yeah all right well um do you have any closing statements or well i just uh if uh, if anybody wants to email me at christopher at destinationfreedom.org i'll be glad to follow up and 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 contact and talk with anybody uh, about their specifics or if they want to move forward if they want to be in this next class um they can go to the website there's a link a paypal link uh, for uh, registering for the class, um, and also there are registrations. If I get them scanned over, I can make sure they get the codes. I'll probably send out the codes in the morning, and uh, and then that way uh, everybody will have what they need for the for this next class. Okay, very good. Okay, so that's Christopher at destinationfreedom.org, yeah. and your phone number is six zero three six seven one seven zero one three. Right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, everybody. And uh, his website is destinationfreedom.org. Yeah. And so he's got a lot of stuff there. You can go peruse that. Take your time. Good reading. And uh, thank you so much for coming on our call tonight. I appreciate it. And, uh, thank you, your time Angela. and energy and sharing your information with us. Um, and hopefully we can do it again at the uh, in the not-too-distant future. Okay. Okay, great. Alrighty, well, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful uh, weekend and uh, the rest of your week. Thank you. You too. And everybody, right, thank, thank you too, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank have you. A, thank, have a great weekend. We'll uh, see you next time. Um, I, I, uh, what else did I want to say? Um, oh, well, I guess that's it. Can't think of anything else. But uh, we're working on having a, a roundtable discussion. Hopefully that'll happen. And also we're going to have Sam Davis and Bob Locke on in November. And, um, oh, we got a good lineup. Just uh, stay tuned. I love you guys. Take care of each other. And uh, that's it. Be nice or be kind. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.